0: Welcome to another episode of The Kuehl Show. I am your host today, the insider of the insiders, Tyler Kuehl. And boy, oh boy, guys, this is a humongous show here today for one, two, three, maybe 12 different reasons if you're going to count because I know we're past the 12 days of Christmas, but we got some holiday cheer and a boatload of gifts to give you here today here on 12 Ounce Sports Of course, if you're on 12 Ounce Sports, that means you're watching us. Whether you're watching us on the YouTube, whether you're watching us on the Facebook, on the Tweeters, or even Zingo TV, channel 761, use the promo code 12 Ounce. That's one, two, the letter O, the letter Z, or Z for you non-proper English users to watch us on a big screen. I mean, if you have YouTube as well, you can watch on the big screen as well. Nonetheless, we have so much to get to today, guys, because not just the fact That we have the semifinals going on right now of the World Junior Championships. Canada set to take Russia, U.S., Finland going on. We got that later on tonight. But we also have the assistant commissioner of the ECAC, Steve Barakas. I almost got that one wrong. Barakas will be here today to talk about that conference's return to play, one of the last few conferences to get a conference schedule. Also, we have the NHL training camp starting up, which means a boatload of news, and a bunch of other stuff coming out of that as well. We will have that and more. But before we get too far, guys, we must tell you to make sure you get involved with today's episode, because not just the fact that we have, you know, we're, we're here live on 12 Ounce Sports, but we have a lot of people we need to thank, of course, because without the help of these people, we wouldn't be able to go live. Like, people, like, um, uh, actually, I probably should put it up on the screen for all you to see. How about this? How about this? And put it there. And eh, eh. There we go. MyBookie.ag down there in the corner. Pro, pro foot, the NFL season's over with. The regular season is, but that does not mean you can't bet on the playoffs. Playoffs, playoffs. NFL playoffs starting up here. NBA as well. Sign up using the promo code 12OunceSportsMyBookie.ag, where you can win and get paid on MyBookie.ag. And of course, as always, 12OunceSports' own second string leather company. Second string leather company, Joe Messina. Those guys are doing great stuff. I got their wallets. They have so many great, awesome items. I got them right here on my laptop for a reason. Second string leather company. Hashtag crafted from the crease. Collection number seven, Darren Pang's gear. They got Mike Smith's gear, Kevin Weeks' gear. They got all sorts of pro NHL goaltenders, former NHL goaltenders gear. They've even worked with guys like Jimmy Howard, and they've worked with they've worked with Garrett Sparks. They've done a lot. Over there, brief history. Go on there, secondstringleather.com. Be sure to get some awesome stuff there. You can get your own custom stuff if you want to. Second Leather Company, hashtag crafted from the crease. We have us a humongous show. And that's an understatement because, like I said, not just the fact that we have Stephen Barbarakis coming on today. He's going to be coming on to talk about the ECAC. What happened? How it took so long for them to set up a conference schedule, what they needed to do in order to make sure that it'd be safe for everyone to play. All of that going together. We'll talk with him about that. That'll be at the bottom of the first hour here of the Kula Show. We'll also have our college hockey scoreboard. I know Alex won't be here to listen to the drumline, but that's okay. We'll still have the drumline kicking and we'll give you the best and latest in the world of college hockey. We'll also be talking about the, the fact that Zdeno Chara is not going to be in Boston. Hmm. Well, that's uh, interesting. We'll talk about that. We'll also have a bunch of other training camp news. We have the, we have a couple of stories coming out of Dallas. We have some signings to talk about. We have a guy that's holding out. Unfortunately, it stinks that Alex couldn't be a part of this show because he loves contracts and he loves holdouts like that. You guys know that. Come on now. That's his go-to. That's his bread and butter. Contracts and signings and people holding out and Marner watch. How about Barzell Blasphemy? No? I didn't think that one too much. It really came up on the spot because I could have said a different word letter B, but unfortunately I've already kind of, you know, we had, we had Chris King on and Chris King was a great guest and we loved having him on, but I don't want to like, you know, shun him from the show by saying the word with bars. I mean, listen, we had Marner watch for the longest time. Barzell watch is going to be in full swing here, at least for the next few days until we hear something. We have some news about Patrick Liney and the Winnipeg Jets. That may we not, may not get that into, into that too much because of a possible future guest we may have on the show, maybe possibly hint, and wink, wink. But there's a lot of stuff to get to today. And of course, like I said, at the end of the show, our last little bit, it'll be previewing tonight's semifinal of the U.S. and Finland, the World Junior Championship semifinals. But Tyler, what about the Canada-Russia game? Well, I kind of can't preview it given the fact that it's literally on right behind you guys here. If you're watching on 12-ounce sports, they got the Canada Zoom call fans all there on the board right now on a network. I guess I can say TSN because that's, you know, the World Junior Broadcasters with, they have Gord Miller and Ray Ferraro on the call, of course. So there is a lot to get excited about today for today's show. Now, I guess, you know what? Before the puck drops, if you are watching us here on the Kiel Show, and of course... If you're watching the replay, the what I'm about to go into and the preview later on in the show will mean absolutely nothing. However, we're just going to go with it. That's okay, though, right? It's okay. We can go forward with it. I believe in us. You believe in me. Believe in you. All that good mumbo-jumbo. So let's get into quickly this Canada-Russia game. So before it officially drops the puck, which is literally probably about five minutes away from now, so I love this matchup because, a, it's a, tale. I mean, Mrs. Potts is over here saying it, it's a tale as old as time. And depending on what side of the uh, side of the pond you're on determines which one is beauty and which one is the beast. Russia, Canada, particularly in the World Juniors, has been legendary to a T. You had back in 2005 the Super Canadians beating up Aleksandr Ovechkin and a bunch of minions. You had back in 1987 when they were the Soviet Union, the punch-up in Piastani. Where literally everybody, except for Pierre Turgeon, got into a fight. And they literally had to turn the lights off there. And that was up in... Well, PSD, that was in the checks. So, up there... And that was a humongous battle. There was the 2011 gold medal, the 2012 semifinal, and, of course, the 2009 semifinal, which Canadians like to remember than the previous two games I mentioned. Because why? Because Canada came back in that game. Jordan Everly, can you believe it? I can! Thanks, Pierre. Thanks for ruining that moment for all of us. But history can be written once again tonight. Now, yes, folks, as I'm sure if you're watching us right now, or everybody listening to us in the past, you understand that, we like to cheer for Canada on this show. I mean, heck, I got my Canada shirt on today. I got my, of course, my usual Canada coffee mug. I got my Leafs mug here, which, you know, is is great, but it's it's could be painful. But this is a matchup of interesting of an interesting aspects, so you have two very good offenses on both sides. You have Dylan Cousins, the workhorse from White Horses. They're redeeming him. He has been absolutely sensational in this tournament. He's had some help as well. Connor McMichael is a guy that, you know, needs to step up at times, but I think he can come out and play some big minutes if he gives the opportunity. He had a couple of close calls in that game, that last game, excuse me, against the Czech Republic. You have Peyton Krebs, who's played up, played very well. Russia hasn't had as many scores. They actually don't have a score inside the top 10 Rodian Amarov, the Toronto Maple Leafs draft pick, the prospect, by the way, he's their leading scorer with only six points in this tournament so far. They have a couple guys that have also, I mean, Igor Afanasyev, the former Muskegon Lumberjack, he's done really well. So the offense is there for both teams. It's, can Canada do what they're supposed to do, what they can do? Because the thing with the story with Russia in this tournament is they play down to the level of their opponents. They've had too many close games against teams that they should not have close games against. You know, I mean, you talk about the Czech Republic game. Now, yes, the Czech Republic always beats Russia, it seems like, in the tournament as of recently. We went over that last week with Alex. But the fact is, they all play up to their competition, which means Canada and Russia will be a great battle. If you guys remember the gold medal last year, Russia had that game in the bag, 3-1 in the third period. But Canada says, no, we're going to make sure Tyler has a happy Christmas at that family get-together of his. They came back, Akil Thomas with the game-winning goal, a magnificent goal, and that is how they did it. Now, this time, on North American ice, maybe it favors Canada, maybe it favors Russia. The goaltending's going to be big in this game, though, guys. Why? Because on one side, you have Yaroslav Askarov, the Nashville Predators draft pick. Great goaltender. Absolutely phenomenal. Talented as can be. Catches with the wrong hand, but who cares? He's good. The problem he's had in this term is that anything gets shot high, he's, just not, able to, he's not been able to track it. His hands just aren't as quick. He's not reading the puck off the shots or deflections. He's had issues. If goal goes low, he's got it. But anything high, anything outside of his frame and body, he has had trouble with in this tournament. Now you look at Devin Levi. Everyone's looking at Devin Levi as, yes, is he the great goaltender that the, that the Canadians need in this tournament? Well, he's played well. He, had a, he obviously had a shutout where the Canadians actually got outshot in that game against the Czech Republic, mind you, in the quarterfinals. Looked really good. Looked good in the finish game as well. Before that, he didn't have a whole lot of work. He has been the only goaltender to play for Canada. Game is underway, by the way. But he has looked good. And he looked confident. He didn't make any moves well. Him and Askarov are both very good moving goaltenders in the crease. Askarov has kind of overplayed it at times. Oh, a close call there is. I believe that was, was that new hook that rang one off the crossbar. I won't try to do as much play-by-play, guys. I do apologize. But um, but they both look really good. It's just who steps up. Can Askarov play well when they need it most? Or will it be Devin Levi that will play well for Canada and be another great Canadian hero in this tournament? And another shot by Newhook that goes high and wide, thankfully for Askarov, went to the glove side. That may be where they go a lot tonight, guys, if you're watching the Canadian game. While you're watching us here or listening to us on 12 Ounce Sports, if you're watching the replay, once again, then, of course, then, yeah, you're going to be like, well, we know what happens, Tyler. This happened. Yeah, I know. Okay. Literally, guys, this is all all I'm saying. Oh, wait. Hold on a second. We have a review. The whistle blew, and everyone is celebrating at the Canadian bench because the light is on. looks like they may review that shot. Let's see here. Oh, wait. Hold on a second. We may have a goal right away, guys. Yep, that is a goal. Alex Newhook rings one off the, that one that set off the crossbar, guys, actually went under the back bar, so Canada takes a 1-0 lead. I'll give you guys updates as we're going along here, because obviously, if you're watching us, it means you may not be watching that game, so I'm going to give you guys both here. And once again, everyone on the replay is like, just get to this stuff. Okay, so let's get to some NHL talk here. Canada-Russia, I'm not going to make predictions, because A, the game's already on, and it's easy to make a prediction when a team's up one nothing. but... Let's just kind of move past that. Like I said, I'll react to it, except when we're talking with Babarakis, Bubarak, because I must talk to our guest on the show. Must let him know how important he is. Of course, then again, if you're willing to take the time to talk to me, then yes, you deserve all my attention. So let's get to some NHL news here. We'll talk about more about the training camp news later on in the show, because that's going to take a little bit of time. There's a, lot of, a lot of stuff to go on It a lot of signings, a lot of holdouts, like I said, and a lot of questionable You know, things to ponder as we make our way towards the start of the season, which will be after next show. So next week, if you're looking for a season preview, that will not be until next Monday's show. So I do apologize if I burst anyone's bubble with that. However, Elliot Friedman wrote a rather interesting piece the other day because remember how we talked a couple weeks ago about the possibility of some teams looking to play outdoor games, Pittsburgh playing at maybe Hines field, the California teams playing out at either Dodger stadium or Levi, wherever the heck they want to play, looking to go in Boston, possibly playing at Fenway park, playing outdoors to allow to get fans into the stands. But now that's kind of seemed to, at least that conversation went off to the wayside. Now, once again, of course, Friedman mentioned in that post that it was all talk. No one was quite sure yet. So, there is one thing that he mentions in this recent article that really makes another. I mean, once again, this is that it is an approximate location. Nothing's for sure. However, the NHL, according to Fridge, is wondering, and he's heard from multiple sources that the NHL may play at Lake Tahoe, Lake Tahoe in Colorado. Now, interesting. Because obviously it's a nice resort, very nice to go visit, beautiful any time of the year. It seems like, but why would the NHL want to go there? Now, this one, guys, unlike where we said talked about the teams looking to go play outside, seeing a lot of fans, and this is just for show. Now, remember there was the idea of going playing Banff National Park up in Alberta. That was nixed pretty quickly after that story kind of broke out. So maybe this one will as well. However, as of right now, there are people that are looking into the idea. A plane on Lake Tahoe, which means you are considering the fact that you're on an actual lake, not ice that's created. You know, near a pond or whatnot. You're talking playing on thick frozen ice on a lake. So, how will this all work? Well, who really knows? Because the NHL is looking at this. So, and the first thing that comes to my mind is Mystery Alaska. Now I'm pretty sure they'll play with regulation boards, not wood and chicken wire on the glass. But there is a possibility that they could do this. And look at the look at the idea here. For the sake of television ratings, because you discussed discuss the idea of you know making money and TV money is so important. This is a huge get for the National Hockey League because this is not playing on Parliament Hill for the cent for the 100 year game or playing in downtown Toronto for the Centennial Classic, or anything like that, or playing a big outdoor game for you know, for some event. This is, we are playing on a pond. You know all those mini games you used to play when you played NHL or Angel 2K? You know, you play on a pond in the middle of nowhere, or whatnot, with boards up. You thought, oh, that's pretty cool. I wonder if that would ever happen, but that'd be pretty dumb. They would never do that. Well, it's being talked about. Because here's the thing, you don't have to worry about, Fans. So the issue of having fans at games and not allowing it in this type of environment, which for this season, guys, will have to happen. That's that's just going to be the long and the short of it. The fans are not going to be allowed at many arenas in the NHL. I've accepted that. I've accepted the fact that I may not be allowed to go to a Griffins game when the American Hockey League starts up in February. Which, by the way, was recently announced that it's going to be official. February fifth, twenty twenty one, will be the start date for the highest farm system in the National Hockey League system, if you will. So. There is a lot to that to go to if you want to play at Lake Tahoe. Now, let's just kind of take the hypotheticals here. Say the NHL says, yes, we're going to go play. Because as of right now, as I look at the article here, the games that are scheduled are on February 20th would be Colorado and Vegas in an outdoor game. So that'll give Vegas their outdoor game that apparently everyone says they deserve right now. They've only been in the league for a cup of coffee. But February 20th would be that game. And there's a possibility of also having Philadelphia and Boston that next day on February 21st. So what a nice little birthday present for me. Maybe, you know, because I, pre- I probably won't be broadcasting. Let's be honest here, guys. I get to watch hockey on my birthday outdoors. I mean, it'll be, I mean, I'll be, oh, I could watch it outdoors. I can find some friends that have a house, and we could all socially distant, get a TV outside. It's February. It may be snowing. It may be nice. Who knows? But then you get to watch the hockey game outside, watching an outdoor game outside. Because in Michigan, it's supposed to be a long winter this year, but not supposed to be a heavy snow winter, so it may not be awful. That would be pretty cool. Get some hot chocolate, maybe put a little extra in it to keep you warm throughout the entire game, and there you go. But looking at the possibility of how the rink would be set up, let's kind of ponder that here for a second, folks. Because there is, because once again, I look at, you look at Mr. Alaska, everybody, everyone's like, oh, yeah, look, they were they put boards on that. Guys, that was a rink that was built. Yes, they shot in the Swiss Alps, but that rink was built. It was, you know, pretty much all, you know, I don't say it's synthetic, but it was set up so you could put boards on it. They flooded ice, and they made sure everything was good. That was, so pretty much that was an outdoor rink by every stretch. Everything you see that's a backyard rink or a rink out in the farm. That's what that was. It wasn't a pond. Now, how would you do this at Lake Tahoe? Because you have to put boards, regulation dasher boards, regulation glass, you may want to put netting up there simply because of the fact, you know, if the lake is cleared off, and if, if you ever, if you ever been on a pond where it's actually, you know, completely flat, you see all these nice cool shots of people like out west or in the plains where it's just completely cleared off and they're skating for miles, like the movie Mystery Alaska. If you shoot a puck, if you slide a puck softly, you try to pass it to your brother and it go and it misses him, that puck is going. It's just going to keep soaring down the ice, and you ain't going to be able to get it. So they may think about putting nets out there. Or, you know, have interns ready to catch pucks, which would be interesting to watch on television. But, hey, it's the National Hockey League playing on a lake. There will be some experimentation probably going on there by the league. And they talk about the boards, though. Those boards need to be anchored into the ice. Now, you're also considering the fact because – the typical National Hockey League ice, or arena ice for any matter, is about one to two inches thick. So maybe about that thick. I know that's probably hard for you to focus to see on camera or if you're listening. Not that thick at all. But the reason why it works when you're playing indoors or in arenas or if you're watching a winter classic on specifically made sheets of ice is because you have the support underneath of either sand or concrete. Most rinks nowadays are built on concrete because it's obviously easy for multi-use arenas. So you can only, you can have it thin there. If you're playing on a lake, I have played on sheets of ice on ponds that may have been two to three inches thick. But if you're going to be having a lot of hockey on it, because guess what? Because think of it this way. Everyone's going to want to go out on that ice. Because A, you're going to have, according to Elliot Friedman's article, you're going to have four teams playing. You're going to have four teams playing, which means two games, four practices, because everyone's going to want to practice on this ice to get a feel for it. And you're going to have four, Unless you want to make everyone mad, have everyone's family at least have a chance to step on the ice, step on this ice to get pictures and do what they do for every winter classic or outdoor game in the NHL. That is where you're going to have to worry about the ice condition. Unless the NHL says, listen, we're going to have, everyone's going to get a half hour skate on there and they're going to play a game. No, fa- no family, no extracurriculars, no alumni game, just that. That's going to be tough. Because you're going to have to ensure that the ice is frozen thick enough to withstand not just one NHL hockey game, but two. And all of the work that goes into that, you have to Zamboni the ice, which means you have to have enough ice that it's thick enough for a Zamboni, which is not light. You ever try to lift a Zamboni? I never have because I'm not that dumb. I'm blonde, but not stupid. You have to make sure that the safety is there for the players, that no one's going to fall through the ice. Because the last thing you need is, oh my gosh, the NHL... You know, the idea falls through, get it falls through because they fall through the ice. You don't want to have that happen. So it's a gamble. Now, I'm pretty sure they're looking at every possible forecast. There is known to demand outside the, around the area of Lake Tahoe. Will it be cold enough? Will it be ice will be thick enough? Will it be frozen for a long enough period of time? Because obviously it can be 10 degrees there. No problem. The issue is, will it be 10 degrees for a long period of time? I've had it to where, literally, I've had to wait. At least I've, I've gone from pure water, a little cold in December, but water, pond, but then four days later, I was able to skate on it. Now, was that me just being overzealous and wanting to go on the ice to come hell or high water? Yes. 16-year-old Tyler was a little off, okay? A little off more than I am now. Stop it. So there is that, but think like I said, once again, you're having 50 200-pound players skating around, carving up this ice for hours on end and then you have to do that twice so the ice conditions are a little bit more important because a people's lives it was just me out there skating on the pond and let me tell you i have stepped in water before cold water stepped through ice i've never fallen in water but i've stepped through it your foot gets a little cold let alone if you actually fell into the ice now yes there'd be people there to help the person out but you don't want to have that moment so I'm sure there's a plan in place if the National Hockey League chooses to do this and they go forward with this idea of playing on a lake in Lake Tahoe. It's possible, but you would obviously need a backup plan because imagine if it rains because remember how the 2011 Winter Classic was? Pittsburgh and Washington, the one where Crosby got his bell rung so bad he missed a year. That game, it rained that game. Now you could do that on a I don't say fake ice, but on create on a created sheet of ice because you have the refrigeration system, you can get the ice manageable enough to play. In that scenario, you can't do that when it's Mother Nature, <laughs> when your literal refrigeration system is the oxygen in the air around you. So that's why I'm pretty sure the league's going to consider. Now they can say, "All right, guys, ice is not good. We're going to go play at uh, what? What's it called? The." Pepsi. It's not the Pepsi Center anymore. Wherever the Avalanche play. I forgot they they changed the name to. I have to remember that. But I oh, thanks. 12 ounce sports was kind of tweet. I mean, Canada looks good on me. I wonder who is. I wonder who said that. It's okay. But yes. Oh, I I love the idea. I love the idea of the NHL playing outdoors. It's going to look great if they're able to pull it off. But you just have to consider the, the safety of the players. That's where the plans may or may not follow, follow through. And like I said, no pun intended, knocking away. I don't want it to. This sounds like a great idea. You talk about, a t, like I said, TV money, t money, it sounds like a money grab, but yes, it is. Because think of it this way When was the last time an NHL game was played outdoors? And I mean outdoors, outdoors on a pond. Somewhere, the, somewhere there is a ghost of the Montreal Wanderers saying back in 1912, I don't think the Wanderers even played in 1912, the Montreal Triple A team that won the first ever Stanley Cup or was ever awarded the first Stanley Cup by Lord Stanley of Preston himself back in the 19th century. That game may have been played outside. They actually did it a lot often. I mean, you want to look at the Ottawa Silver 7, all their Stanley Cups that they, well, won, the, back when it was the Challenge Cup days, they play a lot of games outside. Uh, the One of the famous stories is the Dawson City Klondikers coming up from the Yukon. Literally, was it Dawson City Yukon? Yeah, Dawson City Yukon. They literally came down on dog sled to come play the Ottawa Silver 7. the At that time, the biggest powerhouse in the history of sports. Of course, then again, in the time of the Ottawa Silver 7, the New York Yankees were without Babe Ruth, so there's that for you. But that it's just how it was played. It was played outdoors all the time and it was played on actual ponds. that had to be shoveled off and they did put boards up, but obviously back then guys weren't just ramming each other into the boards going full scale, you know, Oh man, look, Tom Wilson sees a guy coming across the middle and head checks him. No, cause he didn't have any elbow pads back in those days. You fell down. It hurt. You just wore just thicker trousers. If you played back in those days. So, so yes, there is a lot to go into a lot to look into. I mean, like I said, these games are not going to play until February, the NHL, well, gosh, that's a month from now. Holy cow. I'm so used to saying the season's starting up and then be like, ah, February, that's so long ago. It's six months from now or four months from now. Nope, it is. It'll be here before you know it at this point. So I'm, I'm, ex- I'm excited for the idea. I'm nervous about the idea, but I love the idea. I love the thought. Now, like I said, by the time next week comes around, we're talking about the season preview with hopefully with Alex here. You're right. We may be saying, well, guys, uh, 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 nothing's going to happen. It was fun to talk about it for 20 or so minutes and ponder and look at the idea and, you know, brainstorm on how they would do it. But, yeah, it, it's it was all for nothing. And Canada scores again. Connor McMichael bangs it in. It's 2 nothing Canada. Sorry, it, just, it literally just happened. Hey, McMichael scored a goal. He's a guy that's been pretty cold this entire tournament. So, it's good to see him getting going. Good to see him register. Remember, we talked with... Mike Stubbs, a few weeks ago, London Knights, play-by-play broadcaster. He said that he is a very dynamic player. I remember I talked off-air with him. We didn't talk about it on the show, but he really likes Connor McMichael, and it's good to see him register with a goal here. Let's see if we can get – we got the replay here. Dylan Cousins with the puck. Jacob Pelletier with the pass. Connor McMichael, stick on the ice. Good things happen, boys. Good things happen with your stick on the ice. Good to see him go at it. So Canada's up 2-0 in the first period. So we'll get into more, like I said, more of the NHL talk – Later on, simply because the fact that we have so much to talk about and only a couple minutes here. So we're gonna take a we're gonna step aside here, and when we come back, we're gonna have Steve Babarakis on the show, the assistant commissioner of the ECAC, to talk about the ECAC, talk about what the conference had to do to go through the pandemic and try to find a way to plan for a conference schedule. We will come back with all that and more here on the Kewlis Show here on 12 Ounce Sports. We'll be back right after this. And welcome back to the Kewlis Show, everyone, here on 12 Ounce Sports. Once again, always brought to you by Second String Leather Company. Joining us here today now for our guest on the show he is the assistant commissioner of the ECAC, the hockey portion of it, because we like to talk about college hockey on here. Heck, we have college hockey scoreboard, all that great stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. None other than Steve Babarakis. Steve, how are you doing
1: today, sir? I'm doing well, Tyler. Thanks for having me.
0: Still, Steve, first of all, i uh, got to ask you a very important question here. How was your holiday? How was the new year? Did you
1: enjoy all that? It's been good. It's been good. It's a little bit different. Um, given everything, given the climate of what's happening in the world, but it's actually nice. It's been, it's been relaxing and, you know, just, just different, but in a good way, I would say. So well, that's good. Do you, you live in New York, right? The state? I do. Yeah.
0: I'm from the
1: Albany, New York area.
0: Okay. So a little bit up there, a little bit. Yeah. Cause I know, cause I, I work in news talk radio myself. So I get to, I hear all the good news that was of last year. I know New York's been a little bit tough right now. Has it gotten any better over there? It's gotten a hair better here in Michigan, but has it gotten any better in your neck of the woods?
1: It, it fluctuates in terms of the COVID situation. I'm, I assume you're referring to, and it fluctuates. It goes up and down in terms of cases, but um everyone's safe. I mean everywhere you go people are wearing their masks and their are social distancing and they're doing what they're supposed to do. Um so I'm hoping that, you know, here in the near future or at least I'm getting married in August. So hopefully by August we'll be back to the somewhat normal. That's the goal at least.
0: Well, congratulations first of all. Uh, that's a big deal. My wife who is sitting in the living room probably listening to me yell and scream like every other week is Probably excited. We got married actually in February, literally right before this whole thing went down. So we were fortunate enough, and hopefully for you and your future wife, that you guys have a happy and healthy wedding and get as many people out there as possible. Absolutely. And that's nice. You got it in right under the wire. Oh, man. Leap day. I, that was, I, was, I was skeptical about that day because I thought it was a bad omen, but it was okay. Yeah, yeah uh, absolutely. So now I only get to have to celebrate every four years, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> So, Steve, let's, let's first get to, before we get to how everything has been going on with the ECAC as of late, and this year in particular, how did, you, how did that kind of all come about for you? Because I was doing some research on you. You worked, for, worked at state, you worked, um, Athletic Communications past. You worked at State University of New York College at Brockport, also at Oswego. How did that all turn into working for a collegiate hockey conference? How'd that all come around?
1: Yeah. So, like you said, I came from athletic communications. um, And I'm actually from this, the Albany area, the Albany, New York area, originally. um, And that's where the ECAC hockey offices are located. So, I grew up going to my uncle would take me to RPI games. Oh, yeah. My aunt would take me to union games. So, I grew up, I mean, every weekend I was at an ECAC hockey rink and I was watching the games. And I've always been a fan. Um, And actually, it it came about in in an odd way, sort of. When I was in high school, I did like an unpaid internship at union college with their uh, assistant athletic director for marketing. Her name's Beth Tiffany. She's an amazing woman and does a great job over there. And I actually just stayed in touch with her through the years. And one day out of the blue, I was working athletic communications at Brockport and I got a call from her just asking if I would be interested in working for the ECAC. She knew I was a big hockey fan, knew I was a fan of the conference. And I said, of course, and I came back to Albany from out in Rochester. And it was just one interview I met with Steve Hagwell, who's the commissioner of our league. And, um, I guess we hit it off. It went well and I was hired the next week. So, and I've been there July of 2018. I started, so this is my third season with the league now. That's awesome.
0: And, but, Cause that's a big thing too. Cause we always, we, we have this on the show here, we have this love hate relationship with Gary Bettman. Uh, for the longest time, it was hate, but as of recently, how he was able to work the bubble, we kind of gained some respect for him. And you know, we we looked, we I mean, we followed Gary Bettman all the time. We followed the NHL here on the show. We also talked with Tom Garrity of the USHL a few months ago, talking about yep. their return. What does the difference you think between being a commissioner or an assistant commissioner of a college conference compared to a junior league or an NHL league?
1: Uh, that's a really good question, and. I mean, at least in terms of comparison with the NHL, it's just the, the amateur level. I mean, our, our student athletes are just that they're students first and they're athletes second. We have to keep that in mind. So, you know, as much as people say college athletics is a business, you know, it's, it's, we're, we're here to support our members and we're here to support our students first and foremost, rather than, you know, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with, what happens in junior hockey or what happens in the NHL that just is what it is. And I think it's just different. You know, we're not as focused on bringing in the big dollars. We're focused on providing an experience to our student athletes that they can then take into their lives and, and make meaningful memories and, and, you know, just live out the college athlete experience. Um, and really the role, the role of the league, at least in my eyes is just to assist in that process. Yeah.
0: Because, I mean, it's so important deal because, you know, I, I played myself and I I didn't quite get to the 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 division one, the varsity collegiate level. But I, I saw it. I knew a lot of guys that went through it. And, and that was a big thing for them. A couple of guys I knew could have gone to major junior up in Canada, but they decided to go play college, whether it be division three, division one. And and they ended up love they ended up loving it because you get that full experience instead of just playing hockey you're playing you know hockey but you're also getting education that you can take forward so that's why you know college hockey is a great route to great route to take indeed. Now let's jump now to the present or at least a little bit ago I I, I do not pity all right I do pity I feel bad for every single one of the conferences because I myself, I write for the Hockey rise I a cover college hockey. I was booking my ticket. I had my credentials. I was ready to go to Detroit for the Frozen Four last yeah. year, and then within 48 hours, that all went away. As how and because one of the first conferences to I don't I don't I hate to use the word "bout," but uh, to cancel their tournament officially. In college hockey was the ECAC. First, of those individual programs, Harvard pulling out. I remember that was a big story. RPI wasn't going to play home games, and they ended up pulling out. Then all of the Ivy League pulled out. And then the ECAC came out as well. How tough of a decision was that in order to say, you know, guys, for the safety of everybody, let's call it. Let's, you know, we do what we got to do. Let's cancel the tournament. What went into that, and how tough was that for decision for the conference?
1: Of course, it's a tough decision. Um it's always gonna be a tough decision to to cancel a tournament and it's it's really a situation that's never occurred before, so it's unprecedented. Um so it it wasn't and like you said, you within 48 hours it was all it was all shut down and it was all canceled from your perspective. And from our end it was a little bit different than that. Um I think we I I don't wanna say we saw the writing on the wall, because that's not the case at all. Um, you know, in the weeks leading up to that decision being made we still fully had intended to conduct our championship as usual um, with some safety precautions. We were in discussions with the folks up in Lake Placid where we hold our men's championship to at least, you know, we were going to have extra, you know, hygiene, hand sanitizer and and things of that sort. And we were actually talking about doing some sort of social distancing um, type thing leading up, but um, once Harvard and like you said, bowed out, I, I hate to use that word, but made the decision that they were not going to compete for the health and safety of their student athletes. And then I think that happened on, well, well, actually the first thing that happened to go back even further was I think March 7th or 8th. When, when you told me we were going to talk about this, I was trying to recall the timeline cause I tried to block it out of my head. But I think on March 7th all. or 8th. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Um, RPI decided that they would not allow fans in their building for their upcoming series. Um, so that was the first thing that happened. And then probably three, four, maybe even five days after that, um, Harvard made their decision. And the following day, um, Yale was, was discussing, um, a decision to not play as well. Um, and in that same day, RPI made a decision that they would not be competing, um, even without fans in the building. And at that point, I think we knew that, you know, we have really smart people at some of our institutions. Like we're lucky to have Harvards and Yales and Dartmouths and Browns um, as a part of our league. And not to say that Steve Hagwell and myself don't know what we're talking about in terms of, you know, whether or not we're going to compete in our championship, but we did trust that the decisions that they were making were for good reason. Um, And we did see the writing on the wall. So, um, we made that decision to, to cancel the remainder of our men's tournament. And then I think the next thing that happened was like an hour later, I saw the NBA canceled and not that I was doubting our decision, but I was like, okay, I think, I think we made the right call if the NBA is canceling their season
0: yeah, you know, moments I, after we were. So, cause I, I work over, we have a small school here, over here, Davenport division two school, and I am one of the smaller assistants over here. And I was going to go down with our club hockey team down to Dallas to broadcast the national tournament for the ACHA. And it was going to be a big deal. And that weekend I had the Michigan state high school championships is going to do. So there's all this stuff going on. And Wednesday came around that week and I just, and I lay walked into the building and had this eerie feeling because you, I'd heard the news and then the NBA canceled. And then we were going to watch the big 10 champions or big 10 tournament, watch Michigan play basketball in our office. But then two minutes before tip off the team's left the floor and we're like, right. and I literally in our athletic director just walked in the office at the time. And I looked at Paul, I looked at him, didn't even ask. And I looked at Paul and he just gave me the look and said, Nope, not playing. And I'm like, yeah. gosh, like just the air got taken out of the room because he had walked in and he walked in with our two other assistant ADs. And when that happens, it's like the scene, like every stereotypical, the boss walking with the board in the office, like, Everyone knew something was going down and it was, it, it's because it, looking at, like I said, hind, unfortunately, the phrase hindsight is 2020. 20, we got to have to fix that now, but it's, you know, looking back <laughs> on it, it was the right decision at the time. Did it stink? And did we all say, well, we can do this. Well, of course, but for the safety of everyone, that was the necessary decision to make. Now, yeah, exactly. moving forward was even the tougher part because all of a sudden the uncertainty of where our world was going to be, was uncanny, no one knew what was going on. Was there you know kind of a bit of a lull period for you guys in the ECAC trying to be like all right, let's just see what happens or was there were you guys right from day one the next day saying, all right, how can we get going next year or was it kind of just, all right, let's just wait and see what happens before we try to move forward
1: yeah, no there it definitely wasn't right away um, and, and I think a lot of that was because at that point, especially there was just so much unknown that if we had tried to start making some plans or, or some concrete plans, especially it would have all just gotten blown up in our faces. And we knew that we just didn't know what was going to be happening in the world. We didn't know if it was going to be a month or a year or two years or, and I, I guess we still don't know that for sure. But um, at, at that point, especially we were really in the unknown. So, I mean, just to walk you through the the timeline of our off season, as soon as we canceled or, or decided we we're, we're not going to, compete in uh, the remainder of our men's tournament i would say probably for the rest of march and april um and this is speaking for ECAC hockey only steve and i were working from home for the most part and we were just sort of wrapping up um that season because it, it had gotten cut short obviously so i still had to do awards and i still had a lot of wrap up to do um from that season and i it was a whirlwind sort of, and I'm sure you can relate to that in some ways, but I just didn't fully know what was going on or what to expect or or anything. And then May, June, we were back in the office and we were sort of trying to, to operate as normal. Um, at that point in, in May, June, we sort of started to have an idea that we likely were not going to be able to conduct a normal season, but we were almost holding out hope that, You know, in May, especially, maybe not so much June, we thought there was a chance that this pandemic was just going to slowly come to an end. And by the time October rolled around, we may be able to actually have, you know, a a typical season, maybe without fans in the stands. But um, we just weren't sure at that point. And then probably late June, July, all the way through October is when we started to to really understand that it was going to be looking a lot different. So we had you know, weekly conversations via Zoom with the athletic directors at all 12 of our schools, the coaches at all 12 of our schools. Um, and we were just sort of sort of sharing information, um, giving each other a prize of what was happening on each of our respective campuses. We had developed a um, return to play working group or return to play task force, whatever you want to call it. Um, and we were starting to develop like a, a guideline for lack of a better term of you know what needs to happen for us to return to play and as far as social distancing masking testing and things along those lines and that happened all the way through you know weekly or even sometimes bi-weekly meetings through october um until november when eight of our 12 institutions made the decision that they were not going to compete this year um and then that's where we are now we were we're uh going forward and we have gone forward and we've played games with the four remaining schools who are Clarkson, St. Lawrence, Quinnipiac, and Colgate.
0: Yeah. That's an interesting point because that was a huge, huge story. The Ivy league coming out and saying no, but the the thing that was very interesting, Steve, was the fact that because recently before that the Liberty league said they weren't going to play, but they were going to allow the schools that were playing hockey like union, for example, they were gonna be allowed to play. Now union eventually ended up not playing, but, there was that kind of possibility of, hey, well, if the Ivy League is gonna say no to their their league, will the hockey teams be allowed to play since they're not directly affiliated? And at least they don't that's not their league. The Ivy League's not their own league in hockey. That was that the school's decision or was that the Ivy League saying, hey, you guys can't play either? Was that was that the individual programs or the, the
1: Ivy Leagues? Um as far as that decision, that that was made by the Ivy League. Um and the decision was just that none of their institutions would compete in any winter sports uh, no matter the league. Um, and obviously the conversations were had, that's, that's something that we, I, I don't want to say we knew that was going to happen, but we thought that that might be a possibility that the Ivy league would, would pull out as far as um, at least basketball and, um, and their other winter sports. So we had had those conversations and, and, And we wanted it to be institutional discretion, of course, but we also very much respect the decision that was made by the Ivy League. Um, And we've always sort of taken the philosophy that our league is just, it it is our member institutions. And whatever our member institutions decide um, on their own campuses, we will always respect that decision. Um, And do I hate the fact that we only have four of 12 playing? Yeah, of course. You know, I love all 12 of our institutions equally, and I think we have – an extremely competitive league every year. Um, So it's hard and it was definitely a tough pill to swallow, but um, we are where we are. So, and we're making the best of it.
0: Yeah, that was really tough, too, because especially not just talking about the cancellation of last year's tournament, we had both Cornell teams, number one in the country. I was thinking to myself, man, this could the big red pull a double dip, but unfortunately, we're not allowed to know. And then not even this year. I mean, they have the they have the ECAC goaltender of the year on the women's side. And, you know, Matthew Galada was really good on the men's side. I'm like, man, Cornell's even if they do start up, Cornell's going to be great. And then they said no. And I'm like, dang it. <laughs> it's like I was really I know, I know. Yeah. And, and of course, Harvard was coming around. Harvard's been a program and. Princeton I mean you know I I I kind of gave a little bit of we had a little bit of back and forth here on the show with the Dartmouth uh, Twitter page because when after there after Princeton upset I'm like man Princeton's pretty good guys for a two win team and and Dartmouth and us we had a good little friendly back and forth on that and the ECAC and like you said Steve you watched it growing up you know back in when I was a kid it seemed like the big 3 were the CCHA the WCHA with you know Minnesota Wisconsin North Dakota and the Hockey East It seems like maybe it's because, you know, I'm now paying attention to a broader span of college hockey as I got older, Steve. It seems like the ECAC is getting, is it getting better or is it always been good? Just not everyone's noticed it.
1: Uh, That's a good question. I appreciate you saying that. Um, I don't know. I think, I think there were definitely some years and, you know, I've been working for the league for three years and there were some years where the league was a little bit down and this was a while ago. And um, there were years where there was one ECAC hockey team in the NCAA tournament um, every year. And, and that's just not where we want to be. And I don't know if it was 2013 when Yale finally broke through. And then the next year when union broke through um, that certainly put us on the map um, in some ways, but even before that, when the league started to get two, three. Last year, well, not last year, of course, but the last NCAA tournament that occurred, we had four teams in um, and and sort of started to shift in that way where our teams were. I guess I, I'll step back and they were never, I don't think our teams were ever at the point where they were inferior to the rest of the country, but I think especially of late, we're now at the point where from top to bottom, any of our teams can compete with any team in the country on any night, in my opinion. Um, so, yeah,
0: I, I would definitely agree with that. Cause now, yeah, I mean, if Clarkson who's number 10 in the country, still Quinnipiac, cause you talk about that 2013, that was Yale Quinnipiac and all ECAC final. We hadn't seen that since, since Boston, since hockey East wasn't even a thing back when Jimmy Craig was the goaltender for Boston. That's how long ago it was to have two yeah. ECAC teams in the final and union lane by the ghost bear Shane Goss's bear. That team was really good. And, and it's, yeah, you're right. It seems like since then, everyone's been like, "Hey, th- this ECAC, this is legit." And and I follow a lot of the te- the the teams' pages on Twitter and Facebook, and you see all these recruits saying, "Hey," and big name recruits as well, not just you know your tier three, tier two, you know, kind of you know fourth liners. Some really good talent going to these schools, which will be important for the conference to keep moving forward. And and I'm really excited to see how they do this year. With even all the only four teams, we had a couple of good games this weekend, which we'll talk about in our college hockey scoreboard. But Going forward with four teams and obvious, I mean, was there any discussion at all? And then you could say no to this right away and I would totally get it. Steve, was there any discussion just saying, you know what, let's let the four teams play by themselves. Or was there a decision like, Hey, we need to have a conference schedule, even if we only have four teams.
1: No, I mean, as soon as we, so the only, the only discussion that we had um, and as soon as this point was confirmed, then there was really no decision after that. Um, but in a typical year, um, a four-team league would not get an automatic bid to the NCAA tournament. Right. Um, and given the the pandemic that we're in, there's been several amendments for for the given year um, to allow team or leagues with four teams. Um, and I think actually this year, it's if you're a three-team league, you can get an automatic bid um, as long as your your usual league is not a three-team league. Of course, they. can. So not to get into the specifics, but as soon as we confirmed that that was going to be the case, um, we, we were confident that we wanted to put together a league schedule and we did so. And even if that hadn't been the case, I think we likely would have anyway, just for, you know, just as simple as being there for support for them. I mean, we're, we're here as a league staff and that's what we're supposed to be doing. So, you know, we, four teams, six teams, eight teams, 12 teams, we wanted to be there and create that league schedule and, and be their support system. So,
0: and it's in it's going to be exciting. It's going to provide some really interesting matchups because I I myself have been back and forth on who I think the favorite is and at least on the men's side. Women's side, I'm thinking Clarkson because Elizabeth Chaguer is coming back, the, the Nations the Nations leading re- returning leading score. So, I'm like Clarkson maybe got the women's side, but the men's side's interesting because you have Quinnipiac who is third or now 13, no, 12th. They're 12th now in the nation. They just bumped that up in the UCHL polls. And they are going to take on Clarkson three times this weekend. Some good old minor league hockey schedules here. Was that, was that, was that something that the, the league said Hey, you know, let's do this because, you know, you want to limit travel as much as possible. That's kind of how it's gone with every conference that's been in the action. Heck NCHC just housed the entire team in for a month over there in Ohio or Omaha. Has that been kind of the plan? Like, all right, play as many games as we can in a weekend span. Obviously you don't want to play, five games straight cause that or five, you know, days straight. Cause that may be a little tough on the kids, but you know, are we going to see a lot of those three games weekends with a lot of teams playing the same team three times?
1: Uh, right now. So there's two different, uh, weekends with three game sets on the men's side. There actually is not any on the women's side. Okay. Um, and that was, yeah, what you just said was a huge part of it, limiting travel and limiting overnight. So we tried to do that, um, as much as possible. And, you know, even, St. Lawrence and Colgate have two quote unquote three game weekends. And instead of doing, you know, two overnights, they're doing a Thursday at one site and then Saturday, Sunday at the other site and and trying to limit overnights even further. Um, And then the other thing is just, you know, if you have three games in a weekend, you're, we're already in such a crunch. You know, we typically start our season in October right? and the league season would start early November. Um, And we're starting in the beginning of January, December 31st, but really the beginning of January. So we were trying to get in as many games in as short of a period as we could, um, while also building in weekends because, you know, we're, we're sitting over here trying to be realistic in the fact that COVID is a real thing. And there's a very real possibility that, you know, if a team or a couple of players come down with something, there can be games that could canceled on a weekend. So we have three open weekends built in um on both the men's and the women's side for for makeup games and so you you know we we get down to four teams and steve and i are sitting there thinking well at least you know our saving grace is that the the schedule be easy to make and then we start making it and it's not so easy but um, we we did get there so i'm happy to be there
0: and, that, and that's one thing, too, because like I said, I do all I try to put all the scores out for the hockey writers. And I just it's funny, like I have to check daily to make sure the games are happening cause with some leagues. And I mean, shoot, there's been times where RIT was supposed to play Canisius, I think, up in Atlantic Hockey. But then one team went down. So they're in up playing Holy Cross or Holy Cross had to like they just quickly schedule games together. It's so interesting to see how the season's going to play out because you have to be paying attention or else you may miss something. Has the NCAA, because you talk about you know making sure you can get the games in and whatnot, having those open weekends. But say you know, because I know there's a you know you're trying to have a certain amount of games played. Has the NCAA set a mandated number of games for a team to be eligible to go to the tournament, or have they just said play as
1: many as you can and we'll go from there? No, they they have set a mandated number of games. Um, and you know what, I should know that information, but it's a Monday in a conference office and it's in my mind right now, but I I think the number of games, the number of games this year, um, I believe it was cut in half plus two. So I think on the women's side, it is, oh man, I can't remember off the top of my head. It's, it's, it's a very minimal number of games. It's like eight games on the women's side and like 12 or 13 games on the men's side. Okay. Um, so, so that's the minimum. And obviously for all of our, institutions we're trying to get well above that just so that our student athletes have, you know, a, a season that's meaningful and memorable and, um, they're able to get as many games in as they can. Right. Shoot. Heck I'm supposed to be broadcasting right now, but
0: that's not happening. So I'm like, yeah, if you tell me it's, I got, I got 10 games to do this year, I'll do all 10 of them. I'm sure Bowling Green's, oh, yeah. Bowling Green's probably happy. They already have 11 on their, on their record. They're probably sitting just pretty, we have yeah, and yeah, I know. Like their record too. I'm sure. Oh man. Jeez. T- t- 10. well, two of those games were against Adrian college and no, nothing against Adrian, you know, great school, great division three hockey team, but that's a division three school. But anyways, that's my whole thing on the, that's a, that's a rant for another day. We have been chatting with the assistant commissioner of the ECAC, Steve Babarakis. Steve, thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you so much for giving us an, a look into what has gone on because obviously every conference has had their own deals and their own problems to deal with the ECAC taking the longest. And it's good to see that, that the league is at least despite all the problems, despite the setbacks, the adversity that you guys are going to go for the conference schedule. That is great to see.
1: Thanks, Tyler. And thanks for having me on. And and just a quick plug, if I could, all of our games are on ESPN plus.
0: Yes. um, I forgot to mention that.
1: Yeah, it's only six ninety nine a month, and it's it's great quality content, and there's a lot more on there besides just hockey. So yes. if you haven't already, download or, uh, subscribe to ESPN Plus, and you can get all the ECAC hockey games. And here's
0: the thing. People are like, but I don't want to watch this sports. Well, you have kids at home. You have your wife that likes to binge watch shows, binge watch Big Bang Theory, whatever the heck she wants to watch. Get Hulu and Disney Plus Bundle for twelve ninety nine a month. There you go. Let's yeah, go, Steve. We're, we're marketing. Come on, Disney. Hire us. Stop, <laughs> sauce Hall, where are you at? Steve, All right, I appreciate it, Tyler. Steve, thank you very much. Man, we'll talk to you later.
1: All right, have a good one.
0: That was Steve Bavarakis. That was, that was fun. I, as I remember, I, I talked about that in my head about discussing the ESPN Plus because it because I have it. And my The wife and I have it. We have Disney Plus, the Hulu Plus. We have the whole bundle. Uh, we've done a couple of trials at the Hulu Live TV along with it, and it's great. I, I've, I As soon as I found out, well, as soon as I got our own apartment, I'm like, you know what? ESPN Plus, that's... That sounds legit because I remember when that deal went down with the ECAC, being able to broadcast live games, it was so important to make sure that they were able to you know, go out and, and be able to broadcast games because there is other options out there. NCHC has their own deal. I know that in Hockey East, if their games are not broadcasted on, on, on NESN, NESN that they are broadcasting them on a free um, kind of a CBS sports affiliate website online streaming. So there's that. That's a free option for you. For certain games. I know the WCHA, I've done games with Fair State, and the Atlantic hockey are have been doing flowhockey.tv, which is a great option as well for people to watch good college hockey, because both men's and women's on all these, by the way. And BTN Plus has been uh, as a new thing. I haven't subscribed to that yet because I have so many other subscriptions that I pay for right now. So I've, I have left that one to the wayside. So, but I, I I love it because when I was a kid back before the internet was, a well, not say the internet was a thing, but before streaming was popular, the only college hockey you got was Fox sports. And it was same thing in Minnesota, Fox sports and Fox sports, North and Wisconsin, North Dakota had their own TV. It wasn't Fox Sports North. I don't think they ever used that. But they, I know they had their own network out there they broadcasted games on. The CCHA was on Fox Sports Detroit, and that was always a big deal because you had Michigan, Michigan State. Just about every Friday or Saturday, there was a game on. But there was only one game a week. And I remember, I think there was only like one fair state game a year back in those days. If you ever wanted to watch them, you had to either go to the game or... Put an image of your head when you listen to the radio back in those days. I don't remember what their radio was at the time. They're on 97.3 up there in Big Rapids these days. But I I love the fact that there's so much, there's accessibility to watch college hockey and not at a ridiculous price either. Flow hockey is not expensive. NCHC TV, I've never looked at the prices on it, so I couldn't tell you. I know a couple people that have accounts, so I've been able to be a freeloader off of them. That's how I'll be able to watch my NCHC. Great hockey though, great opportunities to watch college hockey. I definitely highly suggest for people to do that if they want to get into college hockey. We'll do our college scoreboard a little bit later on. Actually, you know what let's let's uh let's go ahead and dive into that. shall we? let's see if I can if I can uh yeah, let's do that. I was trying my concern with the college hockey scoreboard was because there's a lot of games going on right now, but I think I'll be able to get them to you here. So, let's do it. Let's, folks, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, let's make our way to the good old college hockey scoreboard presented by our good friends, as always, Second String Leather Company, hashtag crafted from the crease. We're going to start off going all the way back to last Tuesday where RIT tied Colgate by a score of 4-4. Four to four. Now, why was there no more than that? Well, that's because it was technically a... It was an, I said Atlanta Hockey, but Colgate's obviously ECAC. It's tied because interconference games do not go to shootouts. God bless it. <laughs> so well, that was the ending the four-four tie there. Bowling Green beat Robert Morris two to one. Zach Rose making ten saves in that game. Also number ten Clarkson beating Niagara, the team that beat. The Golden Knights early in the season, 6-3, the final score. On Wednesday, number 9 UMass beating New Hampshire by a score of 4-0. Matthew Kessel, a goal and two assists for the Miniman. Matt Murray, 27 saves with the shutout. Northern Michigan beating Ferris State in overtime, 6-5. Northern Michigan, that game came back from a 3-0 deficit. A.J. Vanderbeck and Vincent DeMay, two goals. Joe Nardi, the OT game winner for the Wildcats. Also, going over to Thursday now, we talked about Quinnipiac and St. Lawrence. First ECAC game of the season. Saw a 2-2 tie. However, Quinnipiac picked up the extra point in the shootout. Odin Tufto, my can't, one of my early candidates for the Hobie Baker Award. One goal and in assist, including the shootout game-winning goal. Going on to Friday now. Hockey East action. Number nine, UMass. Beating Northeastern 4-3. As once again, someone forgot to turn off the mic or turn it off and make sure it actually goes to the correct song again, Tyler. Good. guys. This is what happens when Alex isn't here. We don't we have issues with our with our music. Number nine, UMass beat Northeastern by a score of four to three. Oliver Chow, a goal and assist, and the game winning goal in that one. Yukon knocks off New Hampshire by a score of two to one. Tomas Vomachka for the Huskies making 30 saves in the victory. And Vermont and Providence. Not on your screen there, but that's okay, because it was a scoreless draw. What a game. Greg Prince and Michael Callahan, the shorthand, are the shootout goals for Providence. They pick up the extra point in that game. NCHC action Colorado College knocking off number 16, Denver, by a score of 4 3. Hunter McCown, a goal and two assists. Tyler Conzo, also with two assists for the Tigers, as the Denver Pioneers continue to struggle. They're still a top 20 team as of now. And number 10, Clarkson, also beat Colgate in their ECAC matchup, their ECAC opener at that time, re getting avenging their previous loss to the Raiders by a score of four to one. Now let's make our way over to Friday. Friday, a lot of great action there. And once again, pardon me, Saturday, I wrote down Friday, but that's okay. It looks wrong. I can't remember what I did now. Am I off? I'm way off. Hold on a second. This is the wrong one. There we go. There's Saturday. Ah, fixed it. I have too many graphics here. <laughs> Kenesius beating Harris by a score of three to two. Keaton Mastronado, goal and an assist for the Golden Griffins. AIC knocking off LIU with a close game. Aaron Ground's third goal of the season proved to be the game-winning goal in that one. Also in Atlantic hockey action, Robert Morris beating R.I.T. Randy Hernandez, the freshman. My one of my favorite rookies this year. Third game-winning goal of the year in that one. Hockey East Action, New Hampshire beating UConn by a score. Of two to one in overtime. Jackson Pearson, two goals, including the game winner as New Hampshire picks up the split against the Huskies. Providence beating Vermont 5-0. Tyce Thompson, his third goal of the season, ended up being the game-winning goal in that one for the Friars. And number nine UMass completing the weekend sweep of the five-through-in over number 13 Northeastern. Moving over to the NCHC. Minnesota Duluth beating St. Cloud 4-3 in overtime. Noah Cates the game-winning goal. Brother Jackson picks up a pair of assists, and Miami beats Western 3-1, and I got that backwards again. Miami beat Western 3-1. My goodness, Tyler, don't you even try it anymore. Don't look at that score, guys. Derek Dashke and Phil Neese nice each had goals in the second period. Vig Pearson with 27 saves, and Denver was able to pick up the weekend split with a convincing win over Colorado College. WCHA action, Michigan Tech beating Huntsville of Alabama 4-0. Trenton Bliss, Nick Dardella, and Tyler Rockwell each had a goal and an assist in that game for the Huskies. Bemidji State beating number 19 Lake Superior State by a score of 4-1. Brandon Harris, two goals including the game winner. Zach Driscoll, 30 saves in the victory for the Beavers. Also, Bowling Green beats Ferris State 6-1. Three points for Cameron Wright. And number 5, Minnesota State shutting out Northern Michigan 5-0. As we now move over to Sunday as I quickly flip everything and going over to Sunday. Air Force getting kind of smacked around a little bit by the Purple Eagles. 7-2. Ryan Cox, two goals and an assist. Joseph Meshack, two goals as well for Niagara. Robert Morris beating RIT. Matthew Guerra, a goal and two assists. Hey guys, Randy Hernandez again. A goal and an assist along with Nick Perkusic, who also had a goal and an assist for the Robert Morris Colonels. Canisius beating Mercyhurst 3-0, wrapping up the Weekend action in Atlanta hockey. Big Ten action. Penn State beating Michigan State and a barn burner. One to nothing. Penn State outshot him. It was an awful giveaway that led to Sam Sternstein's goal. His first of the season ended up being the game winner. Michigan State's offense just can't buy a goal some games, I swear. And number one, Minnesota beating Arizona State by a score of four to one. They say perfect thanks to Sam Baranta's two goals in that win for the Golden Gophers. Moving over now to the ECAC, Colgate tying number ten Clarkson Raiders winning in a shootout thanks to Alex Young and Matt Raboons goals. Colgate for the third or second time this year they get a win over Clarkson in extra time. They beat Clarkson remember, a week ago in overtime, and now Saint Lawrence also Saint Lawrence picking up a big win over Quinnipiac four to two the victory there in ECAC action. So the Saints actually kind of get sort of a split. They actually get three points to the Bobcats two. Hockey East, UMass Lowell beating, going over there and beating Maine by a score of 5-3. Andre Lee, a goal and two assists, including the game-winning goal late for the River Hawks. Big win for them. They've only played a few games this year, but they still could be a top team here, guys. NCHC Action, number six, St. Cloud beating Duluth 3-1. Yami a goal and two assists, including a game-winning goal late in the third period. Miami beating Western 5-1. See, I kept that one off the board so you guys didn't see how bad it was. 5-1 to one for the Red Hawks dominating the Broncos in their weekend set. Number 7, Bowling Green beating Ferris State 4-2. to two. They complete the weekend sweep four games. The Bowling Green Falcons have beaten the Bulldogs this year twice. Three times actually at Ava and Ice Arena, once back down in Ohio. Number five, Minnesota State beating Northern, four to nothing. Another shot for Dryden McKay gives him 18 on the air. He passes Hunter Shepard, now tied for seventh all time in the NCAA record books in shutouts. Congratulations to Dryden McKay, one of the more underrated goaltenders in college hockey today. Michigan Tech beating Huntsville 2-1. They get the weekend sweep over the Chargers. Mark Sinclair, the former goaltender for the for the Chargers, picks up his first win as a Husky against his former team at Bemidji State, in Lake Superior State non-conference action, so the shootout did not matter. And that is it for the current college hockey scoreboard. As I quickly try to get myself back here on the screen, let's take a look at the games that have been going on right now as I pull up the College Hockey News app because I totally forgot to actually... Write them down before we went live on the air because some games were not done yet. Let's see if we can get an update for those games. By the way, for your Canada-Russia fans, 4-0 Canada in the second period. Michigan State is able to get the weekend split with the Nittany Lions. 5-1 a victory over Penn State. Michigan State's offense that missed out on that first game entirely uh, came alive in the second one. UMass Lowell is able to get the weekend sweep over Maine as well. 9-5 the victory for the Riverhawks. Big game for Chase Blackman. He had a hat trick in that one. Man, a lot of guys going, a lot of scorers here. Sometimes the app's a little wrong, so that hat trick may not exactly hold up, so we'll keep tabs on that. Third period right now between Niagara and Air Force. They're tied at one. Air Force hanging in and they're a little bit better. And puck's about to drop in a little less than an hour between Arizona State and number one, Minnesota. That is your college hockey scoreboard presented by Second String Leather Company, secondstringleather.com, hashtag crafted from the crease. All sorts of good stuff there. Make sure you get your good stuff because they're the ones that make sure you get the college hockey scoreboard because they make sure that we give you the good news that is college hockey. And so now let's go on over to the news, news and notes. There's a lot of stuff to talk about, guys. It's not just going on with college hockey, not just with junior hockey. How about some? Uh, how about some NHL? You know, the 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 big league, the huge league. You know, make sure that stuff's, you know, the, the big one, the one where everyone gets paid a millions and millions of dollars. I swear I've only had half a mug of coffee <laughs> during this show. So, but let's let's get into some of the news. The first, the big news that really kind of shook the hockey world, Zedane O'Chara signing with the Washington Capitals. One year, $795,000. A relatively cheap contract for a relatively old and broken down player. Now, here is my issue with this. So there's a lot of backlash towards General Manager Don Sweeney, former Boston Bruin, by the way. If you guys haven't noticed that recently, he, I guess the offer either wasn't good enough or he just didn't offer him at all. I've heard both stories on this, and the thing is, is that I, I get why Boston Bruins fans are mad. Zdeno Char has been their guy. He's been their captain for over a decade. He led them to the cup in 2011. He's still, you know, a good heart and soul player, despite having legs that are really falling apart as, you know, as he speaks. But here's my, my thing about all this. Imagine trying to win a cup. And I'm gonna, this may sound like something Alex would say, but this is true. Imagine winning a cup and having a defenseman who is in his 40s, who can't skate for garbage in a league that only skates nowadays, and I get it. Zidane O'Chara has been able to get the calls of the slashes and the cross-checks. I, I understand that. I get where you want to make sure you have a guy that can be tough in the playoffs. And yes, this was the year because of a shortened schedule. It's going to work out perfectly for him, right? Well, and, and yes, Boston lost Tory Krug. They lost him to St. Louis, and I, and I understand. Every reason to be mad to not make sure you have a defense core that's capable, but why would you waste money in a cap? That's going to have a flat cap for a long time on a defenseman that can't can't is not mobile. He can't play. What's the point? What is the honest to good reason that you would keep a defenseman around that really doesn't do Jack squat for you, except in the playoffs but Boston, they did well in the playoffs last year, didn't they? Oh yeah, they yeah they won the first round, and then they lost in the second round. I mean, they did they win a cup? No. Chara on your team is not going to win you a cup anymore. Okay, the rules are different. Yes, twenty nineteen, they came close. They were 20, they were sixty minutes away from doing it. Darn right they were. Tell me a good reason to have Zdeno Chara on your team. Washington, at this point, good for them. Listen, they're a dumpster fire waiting to happen. They are literally one Ovechkin announcement. Away. Don't forget, this is Ovechkin's last year of his contract, by the way. He is one year away. One, Hey, guys, I'm going to go home from the Washington Capitals being literally the Washington Capitals that were there before Ovechkin. Okay? B, we're going to call it B.O., Which is hilarious, given the fact that BO typically means body odor. Before Ovechkin, the Capitals were garbage. It'll be the same thing for the Pittsburgh Penguins. B.C., before Crosby. Listen, Mario was there for a couple of years. You're right. And his return, his triumphant return, and they still sucked without him. All right? Before Crosby, before Ovechkin, those two franchises are so darn identical that as soon as those two stars leave, guess what? The franchise will be back into shambles once again. The team will be garbage. The franchise will want to be moved. Fans won't show up anymore. That's how it's going to be. If you don't believe me, well, just give it about 5 to 10 years, all right? So Washington signing him, whatever. Fine. Everyone's like, oh, thank, Welcome to Washington. Okay, you guys are still going to get knocked out in the first round. Because whoever your goaltender is, he's not going to be able to do the job. And Ovechkin, he'll put up 40. He'll put up, well, this year, probably put up 30 goals. Your defense is still going to be shoddy. It's not going to be good. But that's it. And going back to Boston, I get it. You guys are mad because you lost your favorite player. And I'm not going to say, I'm not, I, I almost thought about contemplating, I'm like, well, it's just like when the Leafs let Matt Sundin go. He was old. He wasn't doing much for the team. And the team was going in a different direction, which, yes, they were. They were going into a one of their four rebuilds during that era. But that's why they didn't bring him back. And was were the Leafs fans mad? 100%. And every reason to be. He was their captain. Despite, you know, him getting traded for Wendell Clark, but they had gone past that at that point. He was their guy, and they were gonna ride Sundine till the day he died. Or at least until, you know, he signed with Vancouver and played with the Sedines for a for a year. There was that. But uh, going as a Boston fan, I get why you're mad, but you have to look at it this way. Do you wanna win? Because this team does not have many years left. They may not, they may be past that point. That window may be shut deadbolted lock, put a stick in this window sill to make sure it doesn't close, close the curtains, tie them up together, put a lock on them. They may not ever come close to winning a cup again. They may win that Eastern division. That's because there's literally no one in that division that can compete with them because Tampa's playing in the Central. So Boston's got that going for them. But as a playoff team, I don't know if they'll ever be able to win again. Whether it be Tuca, whether it be Halak, it doesn't matter. They may not be ready to play. They may not be capable of pulling it off. Only for so long can you play with a one-line team. And now that your defense core is weaker, not because you don't have Chara, it's because you don't have Tory Krug, okay? They lost out on Tory Krug, and you're going to have to ride Charlie McAvoy, whose face you still want to punch whenever you look at it. Boston, and like I said, this stuff we're going to go into next week more as well. Boston is not going to be the same Boston as we saw in 2019. And before that, they are not there anymore. Their window is gone. They are not going to win. All right? If they do, well, I would say great, good for them, but I, I don't want anything good for Boston to ever happen. Moving along, another contract signing, a big re-signing, almost impossible holdout. We'll get to a holdout here in a second. Pierre-Luc Dubois re-signing a bridge deal with the Columbus Blue Jackets, two years at $5 million a year. Kind of like the contract. He's looking like the guy that the Blue Jackets are going to want as their future number one center. He's a guy that can produce points. He can play physical. He can play in his defensive end. can play on the offensive end effectively. They're kind of bringing him to be like a, I don't want to say like Nick Foligno. I don't think they want DuBois fighting, but they're bringing him in, and they're trying to mold him as their next guy to be a capable center, can, can score, put the puck in the back of the net, and, you know, people say, well, why don't you want to book him, you know, bring him back longer, have him give him term? The problem is, I'm sure Dubois wanted those seven, eight years at a little bit higher of a number, which he is. You know, he's headed in that direction, guys, where he could be a seven, eight million dollar hockey player. I'm not going to say no to that. However, look at the cap that we're all looking at. That salary cap, guys, I keep saying, I know it's annoying, Tyler. You keep saying flat cap and it's getting annoying. It's going to get old. You're going to wear it out. You're right. I am. But until that happens, the cap will sit at 81 and dollars. As soon as it goes up a million, guys, of course, everyone's going to be like, all right, payday. Does everyone think that's what it's going to be like. It's not going to be that easy. OK, but where Dubois is at right now, it's a great spot for him. He's still young. He's at that point where a bridge contract is good. Five million for two years. It gives him enough time to build up his stock a little bit more, get that a little bit higher. So when that time comes this contract ends, guess what? He may be looking at a, you know, seven, eight year contract to uh, maybe looking at about seven or eight, maybe nine billion dollars. He could get paid a crap ton of money by the Columbus Blue Jackets or maybe with a different team, maybe an offer sheet. Who knows if he becomes that kind of a player? I'm sure the Blue Jackets want him to be that kind of a player. Does Kekalainen want to sign a guy of that kind of caliber? Well, uh, p- somewhere are Temi Panarin sitting on a beach with $25 billion in his back pocket. But I digress. So, But a good move for Columbus, keeping him there, giving him some time to really you know, bump up his stock. And eventually, yeah, I think that's a guy they want to have around for a long time. Can they afford him at that point? We'll have to wait and see. We'll have to see if he can be that $9 million hockey player that he wants to be. Vince Dunn staying in St. Louis one year at $1.75 million. Good little move to keep, your, keep a depth player in the system over there. Dylan Strom re-signing with Chicago for two years at $3 million per. Man, I, I I don't want to use the word bust when describing Dylan Strom, but I had so much high hopes for him coming out of Erie, and, and we saw it too. He was of the last great Erie Otter teams. McDavid left, Connor Brown left there. All that was left was Dylan Strom, and he still led that team. He still tore up the OHL, and you're like, man, Can't wait for this guy to get there to the NHL. He's going to go to Arizona, but they got Max Domi. They got, you know, Duclair, They have this young group and nothing. So, uh, but he's still a capable player. He's not going to play your biggest minutes, but he can produce. So, good little contract for him. John Marino, re-signed with Pittsburgh Penguins. I, so... He's making almost... So it's two years at 1.775 AAV. I had to look this guy up, guys. And sorry to all you Pittsburgh Penguins fans out there. I, I get it. You know, you're all like, but Tyler, he's one of our guys. He put up 20-some-odd points in his first season. Great. I, I've i never heard of him. I honestly have never heard of this guy. He played at Harvard. And, um, you know, Bob Aracus right now, it's like, he's one of our best players to come from Harvard. Okay, I get it. I'm sorry. I, I still have never heard of this guy before and you know he played in a time where harvard was middle of the pack in that ecac to you know just to kind of be honest with you but i apparently that's i mean it's i've never heard of him i just i remember i saw that contract and i saw him in a pittsburgh uniform and i'm like i have no idea who this man is so 26 points last season good for him you know maybe a couple of years from now i've been making you know playing more i mean is going to look a lot different anyway, so maybe he'll get a, some elevated ice time so we'll actually know who he is and what he looks like. So we'll have to keep tabs on that for sure. Some other news to come out of training camp today. Anton Hudobin not starting the season with the Dallas Stars. Now, this is interesting in the fact that I, I don't know what to make of it. Because I I heard the story. Now, it was reported initially by Matthew DeFranck's Dallas Morning News, who we've had here on the show before. It it was so interesting because it said, you know, Hedoman's going to miss the start of the year. I'm like, well, is he hurt? Well, I mean, he played so many games last year, you think. But it's immigration issues. Nothing specified on what the case could be. But he's having issues coming overseas into into the United States. So I guess that's going to take... Long enough for him to miss the ne- the start of the season next week. How long will he be out? How long will it take? That's not been specified at this time. But that could be a huge loss because now you're going to be riding, you know, glass ball Ben Bishop. You know, I, I like to think Ben, you know, Ben Bishop can still be number one goaltender as he was in the 2019 playoffs. I I just don't look at him as the guy that can lead a team because it just seems like. I said it before, I said it before that 2019 run. I said it in 2018, I say it all the time with him, and it's true. He's made of glass. It seems like you you know if there's too big of a wind gust, it'll knock him over and he'll shatter. He's literally the one fish, the made of glass guy that just falls down and you know, shatters himself in SpongeBob. That's literally him because any bump just seems to you know kind of throw him through a loop. So we'll have to see what happens with Dallas. They do have Jake Ettinger down there, who can, who is a keep, was a good goaltender coming up through the system. But I don't know if he'll be the guy that can be a one B. Especially when you have so many back to backs this season, you're going to need two goaltenders that can play. So I, I wonder what the game plan will be for the, you know, for Dallas coming forward here. Because you're going to have to play Ben Bishop, and if youdo doesn't get back in time, you almost wonder then what kind of shape will be he in? Will, or will he be in? Will he be able to be a starting goaltender right away? Has he been skating over there? You hope so. man, yeah, because you really hope this team does, does good, because Dallas was such a feel-good story last year that you can only want, you know Rick Bonus to have another great year because he's, he's such a first of all, he's such a great coach. Right, I mean Jim Montgomery had that team in a good spot, anyways. But Bonus was able to get them to go and continue to press on, despite adversity, despite not being a favorite in any of their series in those playoffs, and still be a competitive team and get all the way within two wins of the cup. So I, you want them to do well, but I don't know. As long as they don't wear those stupid Mountain Dew jerseys or Monster jerseys, whatever the heck people are calling them these days. As long as they don't wear those, I'll cheer for them. Then again, I hope for any. I just. I mean I, I want good stories, I want people I want teams to do well, I want individuals to do well, and Rick Bonus is one of those guys that I hope comes back around and is able to get that Dallas Stars team on the right track. It's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough this year, but I think they'll have a good opportunity. Moving along now to the, the odd news with everything. Matthew Barzell holding out. We have us a holdout, ladies and gentlemen. I, I only I only chuckle because of the and this is I'm gonna say this once and it's gonna sound completely dumb, completely stupid because all the Islanders fans said, "Yeah, but at least we've won playoff series with our guy." That's true, because yes, Matthew Barzell has won more playoff series than Jonathan Tavares has. I'll give you that. But isn't it funny how the Leafs were able to get a done deal with John Tavares and not Matthew Barzell signing with the Islanders? I'm just saying. If I mean if. Kyle Dubas can get you know John Tavares away from from Lou maybe get Matthew Barzell away. No, I'm kidding. We there's no there's no cap room with the Leafs. You kidding me? So coming out of this one of the stories from Molly Walker of the New York Post, Islanders players are apparently just downplaying Barzell not being there, and that's just kind of a veteran thing. You don't want to get too wrapped up in the will he or won't he sign type of deal. You know, we talked about it a little bit, and with Patrick Liney will he be in Winnipeg? Will he stay in Winnipeg? The last thing you want to do is egg on that conversation. And I am pretty sure some players are, you know, are gonna are do. They want him there. Heck, their captain Anders Lee said they're going to work this thing out. Barty's—he's one of the boys. He doesn't want to be missing any more time than anyone else. It's all going to work out. We haven't thought twice about it. It's not something we really worry about. That's just the other side of the things that take some time. End quote. So. You know, honestly, given the most hockey answer he possibly can. (sighs) I get it, and it's it's a money deal. No question about it. But I'm sure Barzell will realize that there needs to be the right dollar amount for the time he's going to be there. But I I think he's probably looking at that Pierre-Luc Dubois deal saying, hey, that's what I want. That's what I that's what I'm looking for. Five million dollars for a couple of years. But you know, how much are the islanders willing to spend? Let's take a look at their cap. They have a little over, a little under four million dollars, excuse me. Barzell, they still have to go. Dmitry Timishov. We'll see what they want to do there with him. But he's an RFA as well, they need to sign. Not as many contracts. They have a lot of long-term deals. Andersley obviously signed through 2026. Brock Nelson through 2025. Jordan Eberle through 2024. Andrew Ladd, <laughs> God Almighty, 2023. Josh Bailey, 2024. J.G. Pajo 2026. So there's that big deal that they have at $5 million. All those guys, by the way, making over $5 million. And I'm sure Barzell is like, hey, where's my $5 million? Because is Barzell better than J.G. Pajo Is he better than Josh Bailey? Uh, it's each their own. Argument is in the cards there. But will will he be able to make. Five? Are they able to pay him? Because you're gonna have to move somebody at that point. You know, you have Leo Komarov for two more years, but he's got a modified no trade clause. Casey Zekis is that one more year at three point three five million dollars. He's a UFA after next season. You have Anthony Beauvillier last year of his contract, which he'll be an RFA next year. And you know, you have Nick Letty who's making five million dollars, which or five point five, excuse me, which was great, you know, at the time. But once again, another one of those contracts. Ryan Pulak got signed to that five-year contract. Thomas Hickey for two more years, at two and a half. And Adam Pellick at one more year at 1.6. So, and you have Simeon Rolama for three more years at $5 million. A lot of five millions with these teams. I wonder if Lou was like, all right, guys, no one, if anyone asks for anything ex- six or above, except for you, honestly, y'all can kick rocks. Uh, then again, I don't think Lou Amarillo said y'all. It's more like, you do not need $6 million except for you, our captain, Mr. Lee. That's probably all I said. That's probably how he said it. So I, oh man, this is a, a tough goal for the Islanders because I'm not going to say Barzell is a useless player. I'm not useless, sorry. I'm not saying he's not a star player. That's a better way to say. He's not a star player, but he's still a very capable piece if you want your team to do well. He scored a big goal in the playoffs last year, an overtime goal, remember? He has it or helped on a big overtime goal last year. He, he has the ability to be a number one, a big time scorer for your team. But when you have all these contracts wrapped up, you're not going to be able to pay him like a, a second line a you know, a guy that can play you 20 minutes a night. You know, that's the big deal. And Russia just scored on the power play. So it's four, one now for the Russians. And, all of Canada is all of a sudden getting flashbacks to 2011, and that was only a 3-0 game. How about a 4-0 lead in the second period? 2.23 left to go, by the way. Canada's out shooting the Russians 23-15. to 15. Going back to Barzell, I, I want to see this kid flourish. Really flourish, because he has a different level to him that we saw early on in his career he put up I mean, he's it seems like he's only getting better. He had 85 points in his first full season, 62 the year after, they call that a sophomore slump, sixty and sixty-eight games, guys. This guy was borderline gonna be putting up seventy-five, almost eighty points last year. If he could have if it could have gone a full season, had 17 points in the playoffs. He does deserve a six million dollar contract. Any other team that has cap space may be. But once again. Here it comes. Here comes the phrase that everyone loves, guys. Ready, 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 ready? Flat cap. That's what the problem is. All these contracts, Anders Lee, J.G. Paggio, all these contracts were getting signed. Let me, let me make sure on J.G. Paggio before I get myself into too much trouble here. J.G. Paggio's contract was signed February 24th, 2020. So not quite the pandemic, but in that direction. So J.G. Paggio signed it at the right time. So I'm not going to Point the finger and say Lou didn't see it in the cards. Because I'm pretty sure in February 24th of 2020, people are like, oh, we'll still finish the year. We'll be safe. People will start wearing masks. And oh, but no, no one wore masks. So who cares? But I am, uh, it, it's tough now because cause Barzell did the right thing. He betted on himself. He could have signed last year, July, July 1st of 2019. He could have, which I get. That's good. Bet on yourself. And yeah. He went from possibly a $5 million, $4 million player to a $7 million hockey player worth $7 million a year. I get that. Good for him. Unfortunately, victim of circumstance, Matthew Barzell may not be getting paid $7 million a year, $8 million a year, because guess what? Uh, Let's check out the LTIR situation. Oh, of course, they got Johnny Boychuk. Well, maybe they're out of Dodge. Oh, well overlooked that fact. I try to think that the LTIR situation will be fixed in a few years in the next CBA, but Lou Lamarel is like, we got the guys. All we got to do is just tell Johnny Boychuk to retire and the $6 million goes to Barzell. No, I'm not saying that's what happened. That's all conspiracy theory, but come on, guys. Think about it. But anyway, but so it it'll be... It'll be interesting to see what happens. Maybe by the time we have the show next week, it gets figured out. I'm sure if you're an Islanders fan or player for the Islanders, if you are an Islanders player that watches this show, I am sorry. But, and you know, you hope that he does sign soon because he's going to be a vital piece of your team if you want to make another deep run into the playoffs. Some other news worth mentioning. Oh yes, of course, the big news coming out of Minnesota, the state of hockey, out of St. Paul, none other. Then Jared Spurgeon being named captain of the Minnesota Wild, good for him. You know there was questions on who would it be. Oh, they waved the goal off. Okay, Russia was apparently off sides. So they had an extensive review. Jared Spurgeon, by the way, replacing Miko Koivu, becoming the. Does it say on here what number of captain he was? uh eleventh season He's the longest tenured wild player. Captain for twelve seasons. I believe he's the third captain. Where is the story? Let's see let's see let's see uh let's see if we can see. Do, 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 do. Sorry, I should have read it in this. I thought he was the third captain because it was Koivu and the one before him. But regardless, good news for Jared Spurgeon. Uh, deserving guy, good player, good defenseman. I think he can he can be a capable player. And, you know, he'll... I mean, Miko Koivu is there for a dozen years, so he'll be a guy that's... It'll be an adjustment. And again, I think the Wild are in the middle of a weird adjustment. They have... You have Cam Talbot as your goaltender... So you, you have that to look forward to. You have a an interesting forward group. You have defense that are, you know, very veteran-laden defense core. And led by Spurgeon and Suter. And you saw Matthew Dumba back there, even though it seems like he wants out in Minnesota. Uh, will Minnesota be another playoff team? I don't know. It's a tough central division this year. I, I'm interested to see what they do from there. So with that, as the second period winds down in Canada-Russia, let's take a quick break. Get myself some more coffee and me. Have a couple of swigs of water. Refresh, rejuvenate, regroup, and get ready for the home stretch of today's show here on the Cule Show here on 12-Ounce Sports. When we come back, we'll talk about the U.S.-Finland game. That's supposed to come on later tonight after the Canada-Russia game. We'll also continue our live reactions here and more on The Kula Show here on 12 Ounce Sports. We'll be back right after this. And welcome back, everyone, to The Kula Show here on 12 Ounce Sports. As we come back live, Dylan Cousins says, a penalty shot for Canada and a good toe save made by Yaroslav Askarov. Literally came back at the perfect time. Canada looking to make it 5-0, but a big save made by Askarov, trying to make sure that he had an opportunity to make a... A big stop there to keep his team in as much as he can. Cousins went to the backhand and a good toe save. He was hauled down, which led to the penalty shot. Russia right now just trying to find a way to get back in this game. They thought they were on the board. Had a goal called back, though. A power play goal was called back after an offsides review. So there's a lot to look for here in this game. There's only 26 seconds left in this period. A couple of news that we kind of missed out on, talking about the NHL and training camp opening up. Jonathan Taves. Might return to the Chicago Blackhawks, but everyone is staying quiet about it. They He missed out. He didn't start camp on time. And I guess they're more concerned about the health of the franchise's longtime captain than his playing career. There was an issue. He said, Taves, who announced last week that he would be away from the team after he dealt with an illness that left him feeling, quote, drained and lethargic. There's not been any word since then about anything of recovery. It's been pretty quiet about it. And I guess Patrick Kane knows more about the story, but he's keeping it quiet. So there's obviously something going on with the with Captain Sirius there in Chicago, and we hope to wish him the best recovery because you know we've already seen it this year with Miss you know with Henrik Lundqvist having now go undergo, undergo open heart surgery. We only hope the best for Jonathan Taves because we like to see him back on the ice. I know we harp on Chicago a lot on the show, and we may do that in Spades next week, but you know we don't wish the we don't wish that kind of stuff on players, especially like Jonathan Taves. You know he's been a a big part of that franchise, the fact that that franchise is re- the fact that the franchise is relevant and people complain about him, is because of guys like Taves and Kane and the work Stan Bowman's done to rejuvenate that franchise. That right there is the reason why you don't want anything bad to happen to him. So we'll keep tabs on that for sure. Hopefully, a speedy recovery and a safe recovery. Whether he comes back and plays or whether he you know decides to hang him up for health reasons to make sure for his own safety later on in life, whatever is the best. For Jonathan Taves is obviously in the first thoughts of everyone, first thought in the front of everyone's mind. And another thing, too, we were talking about a little bit in spades about the NHL or last week, how the NHL seemed to have a deal going through with the federal Canadian government, which has been confirmed this week as the federal government of Canada excuse me, announced a wave to its 14-day mandatory quarantine for people coming into the country. Which is good to know because now people can, you know, players can just come back right now and be able to play at the start of the season. So the federal government's giving the wave on it. As of right now, the provinces that have officially signed off on it, Quebec, British Columbia, and the and Alberta. Manitoba is showing support for the plan. They're expecting to make an announcement soon. Not a whole lot of work coming out of Ontario. It seems, you know, Doug Ford seems like, you know, they want to play. They you know they want to have it back. But as of right now, there is nothing set in stone yet coming out of Ontario. Like I said, Manitoba is coming close. Quebec is given approval. You would think that Ontario would be first before British Columbia just because of you know the demographic and you know the start of thinking. And yes, I'm not going to get super political with it, but there is a lot of people up north that are incredibly mad with their politicians because <laughs> they tell everyone, hey, stay home, stay inside, and yet they've been going on vacations and whatnot and, I get that. I, I can understand why they're mad and T.O.'d about everything. I mean, shoot. I mean, I talk about, you know, my wife and I, she wants to go away for our quarter anniversary. I call it quarter anniversary because she wants to do something at the end of February, which, you know, okay, that's fine. But uh, why would we travel anywhere if we don't have to? I mean, it's, it's not safe. And also, if you travel anywhere, what are we going to do? Sit in a hotel room? Shoot, I can fight. If you want to just sit in a hotel room, sit in the bed the entire time. I got a very nice, comfortable one in there. And we can move the TV in there. We can just hang out in there, make it look like the hotel experience, and we can call DoorDash and we can have them deliver to the window. We can do that. There you go. That's room service, right? Not cheaper probably <laughs> than spending a room money on a hotel. I ho- hopefully she's not watching right now because I'm pretty sure she stormed through the door by now. But but going back to the you know the Canadian government deal, as the f- the sooner we get a finalized deal, obviously the better. Because the longer this goes on, the worse it gets. And because, you know, we are nine days away as of right now, this Monday night, January the 4th. We're a little over a week away from having the season start up. And how can you start up if you don't have okay by the government? The conversation is, and the word on the street is, the fact that there will be an official word given soon. I'm sure there's just a couple of fine details. And, you know, I, I have my opinion, like I said, if you know, you say, "Hey, we can't play. You guys can't play. It's not safe." But then they're going out and traveling around. I get. I would. I'd be. I'm mad too about that. You say one thing, you do another. You want to be a hypocrite. You know. You know. It's it's funny because I did the game last week with Harrison Watt last Wednesday. Ferris State playing Northern Michigan, and we were doing our we're doing our I don't say rehearsal, but our our, our camera testing, our sound checks, and whatever. And we both were on camera. And we were socially distant, and as you see with any broadcast, football, hockey, you know, they're everyone's socially distant, and they, they're not wearing a mask when they talk. But I was wearing a mask while I was while we were doing our our rehearsals. And I remember I Harris was like, you know, you don't have to have it on, right? And I'm like, during the broadcast, like, oh, I know, that's that's fine, but just for now, I'd like to keep it on. Want to stay safe, and you know, practice what you preach, right? Because. You know, and yes, people are like, But Tyler, you sit next to your brother. He's my brother, for goodness sake. I know where he's been, he knows where I've been. He doesn't go out much, he sees his girlfriend, I see my wife, and that's literally it. That's all we ever do. We call in food now. We don't go out because well, we can't hear Michigan. At least not until the fifteenth, but you know, who knows about that. I I I want I want everything to go back to normal, guys, just like everyone else. But it's gonna take time. Now going back to the National Hockey League, if you're going to say you can't do anything, guys, it's not safe, well, then don't travel. Then you should, be, then you should disallow travel across the country. Because I, I, I ref, I've, ref, I've refrained to it before on this show, but Brian Burke on it was a Hockey Central a couple weeks ago said, you know, it's dumb how the fact that, you know, they say that we can't play, they're not going to allow teams to play in their provinces, but yet I can get on a plane right now and travel to British Columbia without anyone blinking an eye. That's true. They wouldn't have to, you know, if you wanted to travel across Canada, no one would bat an eyelash. It's the same thing here in the United States. If I did want to fly, to, I mean, shoot, I did. We went to Denver in August when at the time the cases were a little bit lower and we went there and had a great time. We were socially distant. And we wore masks when we were out and about. We did it properly and we came out okay. Everyone around us was okay as well. There's a good way to do it. But You know, when there is a hardcore lockdown like we did have back in March, we didn't go anywhere. We stayed inside. It was awesome. I got to play the Wii. I got good at the Wii again. But, you know, we're at a point now where cases, you know, you just heard about Britain going under full lockdown. You know, it's it's not going to get any better. 2021 is not just going to flip a switch and everything's going to go back to normal, guys. It's going to be a long process with this. And as long as we kind of understand that, that's for the better. Now, going back to hockey here on this hockey program the oh wait, the Ontario Ontario and Manitoba they'll sign off on it in the week, in the next week because i believe i i think i don't know if they're just playing hardball for no reason right now but they i don't know if it's cuz they just want to be in the spotlight or want to make a big deal about nothing but there needs to be a a finalization because they know how important hockey is. Now, yes, before I went, before people come out screaming, but Tyler, the safety of everybody. Listen, the safety of everyone. The hockey team that will leave their—I mean, they'll be at home, but they get tested before they go on trips. So before they get on that charter plane, everyone gets their test. Anyone test negative? All right. Everyone test negative. Anybody test positive? Nope. All right. Everyone on the plane. All right. Cool. Let's fly to Vancouver. All right. Vancouver. Get off the plane. Probably have to test right then and there, too. Probably will. In your own private terminal, by the way. Not public terminal. Private terminal. Then you get on the private bus that's been sanitized and is just for the team. They go to their hotel. Or actually, they may go to the rink first. Check it out. Check out their locker room. Only to their locker room. And then they go to the hotel. Or they go straight to the hotel, which has been quarantined off been sanitized and all that stuff for the team themselves. They go to the rink. They go back to the hotel. They probably go back to the rink again and play two games or skate, whatever. But they only go from A to B. They eat in their hotel. They stay in their hotel. They do nothing else but just hang out in the hotel. They don't go to the club. They don't go to the bar. They don't go to their Boston pizzas, their jackassers. They stay stuck in their butts in the hotel or they stay in the rink. That's all they're doing. Three points of contact. Are you not following what's going on here? They are going from A to B to C to B to A to C to B to B. B. That's all they're doing. It's not rocket science, people. It's very simple. So why can't they just agree? I mean, I get it. The safety of everyone's important, but mother of Teresa, let the kids play. Let them play. Where is the issue here, guys? Where is the, oh, no. Guys, there is an issue here. This public safety. If they're not even going to be exposed to the public. I'm sorry. I, I may, I may be blonde guys. I may not be. I mean, my wife, yes, she works in the health field, but even she agrees to me. Where is the issue? I don't get it. I, I loved would, it. I would love, 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 love to hear what these governments have not signed off on yet. Like I said, it sounds like Doug Ford, who is, you know, he's conservative. He seems to, he wants, you know, Toronto and Ottawa to play in their province. Great. What are we waiting for here? Are you waiting for the NHL to just give you money for some reason to play? That is, that's what it is. That's stupid. All right. I, I get it. Okay. You want to be safe, you want to be smart, what have you. But where is the, where is the bad in the plan that is going on across the NHL? Why? Was there one mandated club night a year? No, there is not. Nobody cares. No, like they, they want to play hockey. They're going to do everything they can to play hockey. They're going to take every precaution to play hockey. So where in this idea of their restricted travel makes it unsafe for the public? Are you just going to have random people? You think they're not going to block off these hotels? Heck, I can't even I I get questioned if I walk across the Royal York Hotel and and down on Front Street there, walk across it, and I get questioned if I'm actually I'm like, what are you doing here? Uh, Walking by. Uh, I'm walking by here. I'm going to the Hockey Hall of Fame for us peasant people. We we're not (laughs) uppities. Because we can't afford that hotel. But that's what I'm saying. Like they make sure that only the people that are allowed to go in there go in there. And I'm pretty sure that's gonna happen everywhere. And we see it here in Edmonton, here in the bubble of the World Juniors. They're literally going from the hotel, taking the skywalk across to the rink. That's what they're going to do. So, ladies and gentlemen, where's the issue? That's all I got on that one. I, I can only talk this one in the dirt. And it just It's, it's annoying. It's incredibly annoying that not everyone signed off on it, and they've waited this long to sign off on it because of what excuse? Was there not enough news going on? Like I said, I, I work in news talk. you know, if sometimes, you know, no news is bad news, good news is bad. you know no news is good news, bad news is good news, and good news sells a crap or bad news sells a crap ton of money. You know, there's that old slogan with, "But I just I, I don't get it. I don't get what the delay is for any province to sign off on it if the NHL is playing. Now, yes, down in the States, it's going to be a little weird because there are some teams that are allowing them to play. But they're staying within their division. You're not going to have Florida go to play Boston. You're not going to have Florida go play Los Angeles. You're not going to have Vancouver travel down to play Detroit. You're not going to have any of that crap. You're going to, Everyone's going to stay in their own area. They're going to stay on their lawn, and that's it. <sighs> It's annoying. I I get it. We're only nine days away. Next week, we're going to go in there thinking we're going to get through this whole season come hell or high water. And guess what, guys? Get ready for some postponements, reschedule galore. You talk about it being bad in college hockey, guys. How about the National Hockey League, where it's only publicized even more? And I say it's different for college hockey because there's almost double the amount of programs in college hockey than there are in the NHL. So understand my pain when I have to say, what do you mean RIT can't play Holy Cross today? What do you mean that Arizona State can't travel? What do you mean Huntsville and Fair State can't play? They just played last night. Listen, that's how it's gonna be, guys. There's gonna be cancellations, there's gonna be reschedules, it's just it's gonna be a it's gonna be a process. We're all in this together. What what's the uh, speaking of college, the Lake Superior State released their annual banned words and phrases. And there was a – oh, man. I wonder if I can quick pull it up here. Uh, Lake Superior State, not hockey, not right now. Lake Superior State, banned words. Here we are. Yeah. Let's see. Because it made national news as well. I reported on it today. It's pretty funny. Let's see. So, phrases include COVID, social distancing. We're all in this together. I said that one. I can't say that up in Sault Ste. Marie right now. Social distancing and an abundance of caution – there's another one that we use. So in an abundance of caution, we're not going to allow Canada to come down to the States. There you go. In these uncertain times, uh, pivot. Well, uh, you know, it's going to be tough for basketball and whatnot. When I heard pivot, I immediately thought friends, because I thought maybe friends was getting binge watched by everybody. But apparently since they have to pivot to contactless delivery or pivot to a different uh, mode, unprecedented. You know, we said that a few times with Steven, Karen, I love that, Karen. Um I know, right? I guess I know right was a weird one. But so yeah, there's just a few of them that had to do with with COVID-19 and I'm like said we are all in this together. Well, you know what? I wasn't going to go to Lake Superior State anyway, so there you go. I it's 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 a funny cuz they do it every year. I don't I don't remember what they had last year, but they had a couple of good ones. So, but you can always look that up, of course, if you just, you know, use the internet. Don't leave us now though here on Twelve One Sports. We got a lot to get to here. Actually, I'm looking at it now. I think we all we got left here today is the story with the World Junior Semi-Finals. So we have 4-0, about to begin the third period between Canada and Russia. I don't know if we're going to be able to get through all of it here by the time we end the show here at 8.30. But we'll have to take a gander, because obviously we have Talking minors coming up next, right? Minor League Rando going to be talking some sports. I would think. Let's see here. One hour until taking the, the miners. Let's see what he's going to talk about today so I can actually get it up. Show notes talking about the minors, talking about SPHL action the past weekend, because they got started. NFL Week 17 and Wild Card Weekend. So he will be on at the bottom of the next hour, 8:30 Eastern Time, 6:30 Mountain Time, which is the time, out there in Edmonton, where they're having the World Junior Championships. But let's get into some of the world junior talk here in our final half hour and change of the Kielo show here on 12 ounce sports. And before we get to the U S Finland game, let's talk about some of the quarterfinal matchups. First of all, Austria and Switzerland. I, I, I thought more of Switzerland. I thought they were going to have a little bit better of a showing, but that they went in that last game needing to win. And Germany was healthy at that point. They had a really good goaltender, you know, coming back, Florian Bugel, who looked really good, looked confident, played extremely well against Russia in the quarterfinals. I'm not saying Germany surprised me, but I'm not, in 2022 tournament's gonna be rough because they're gonna lose. Stutzel's not gonna be playing. He's gonna be playing in Ottawa. And you know you don't know about your goaltending situation then. And Germany's such a wild card anyways. They may not be as good this year. And since no team's gonna get relegated, Austria gets another crack at it even though they're losing Marco Rossi to the Minnesota Wild. Austria may not have much of a better outing as they did this year, as they will next year. I think Switzerland will come back a little bit better. And like I said, with Germany being weaker and Austria being weaker, they may find themselves in a better position if they get put in the right group. They obviously haven't announced that yet. They will not announce that. I think until after the semifinals are it so probably t- tomorrow, but they announce it before the championship game. Not sure if they would or not. Because that would be an interesting note. Because I believe, yeah, I think they usually announce it before the game. So, yeah, because tomorrow is the gold medal game. Bronze medal will be at 3.30 Eastern time, right? Yeah. Yes, no. Yes, no, yes. No. 5.30 Eastern time. 8.30 puck drop for the gold medal game tomorrow night. 7.30 local time. No, ninth. Gosh, I mean, I can't read. So I'm on the IHF website right now, guys. And they do the 24-hour clock, and I have to do math sometimes. Kelly would probably be able to read that, no problem. 9.30, puck drop for the gold medal game tomorrow night. 7.30, local time in Edmonton. 3.30, local time puck drop. 5.30, Eastern time for the bronze medal game. And whoever loses this game will play the loser of the U.S.-Finland game, which we'll get to later on. But like I said, Austria and Germany, it'll be tough for them next year if they don't have a, a, an uprising in talent. I mean, Germany had a couple of guys that really showed up this year, but it'll be tough without... Because we saw how good Tim Schutzel was. There's a, there were people that were half joking, half being serious of saying, you know, Tim Schutzel could be the MVP of the tournament. How he single-handedly, you know, at times just dragged Germany into staying in games. You look at that game against Finland in the first game in the tournament, the game against Switzerland, he played, I think, he didn't play a phenomenal game against Russia, but he helped carry the play and, you know, he he helped give Germany some life at times. And even though he didn't score the goal in that game, I think Germany, they had a good showing. And with that kind of a program, they just need to continue to keep plugging. They need to continue to show that they have talent And, you know, to be honest, guys, think about it this way. Next year is the Olympics in 2022 in Beijing. And if the NHL is allowed to go, which it's seemingly all they're going to do, it seems like that's the plan. Tim Stutzel and Leon are leading in the Germans. I'm not saying they're, you know, they may not be the favorite to win the tournament, but they're going to turn some heads. Germany in that tournament next year in the Olympics, guys, watch out for them. They may be a really competitive hockey club. I'm excited to look at that. Finland beat Sweden to get to the gold medal or the gold medal game. The (laughs) semifinals. They trailed in that game to nothing. And of course, Sweden, who had their fifty was a fifty-three game preliminary round streak snapped by by the by Russia, who right now is trailing four nothing. Sweden, I just you just knew with all the COVID problems coming in, that even though they smacked around the Czech Republic, they were gonna have they were not the same Swedish team that we usually see in the preliminary rounds. You know, Lucas Raymond and Alexander Holt still shine, but, you know, they just, they weren't the same. They just didn't seem like they had the same kind of zip. They didn't seem like they were going to be a tough team. And, you know, I, I joked about it with Cody Jansen before the tournament. Yeah, Sweden won't lose in the preliminary rounds or the, in the medal round anyways, you know, the elimination round, but I didn't think it was going to be to Finland. I thought they'd lose. I thought they'd at least make it to the semis. I think they were finally finding their groove, and maybe those losses at the end of the round robin would give them the kick in the butt that they would need. But as we realized that they were looking good, but Finland just came back. Anton Lindell, who is one of the best players in this tournament, you know, nine points going through the quarterfinal. Roni Hero. and I, I just I look at that game. And say to myself, "How does it happen?" Because I want to be able to stand up and say, "Hey, you know, here's your problem." But look at it this way: I look at that goal, the game-winning goal, by by Rony Hero- Heroven, and you see a great save made by Hugo Annafelt, and he just stays in the splits. Right? Go back and watch the game and you know, NFL had to make some big saves. He actually made a big save leading up to that, but he sits in the splits and just sits there and battle out Roven and an opportunity to sneak in and under with less than thirty seconds to go. And it looked like just the Swedes just kind of gave up after the Finland after Finland came back to tie that game. I I don't know what it is with Sweden. They have won one gold medal, twenty twelve. I can't tell you how many times they made it to the gold medal game. I know twenty eighteen was one. 20, 2008, and 2009, both against Canada. The team's always there. They're always competitive. They just somehow, some way, find a way to lose. They are, I'm trying to think of a team that's won once, but seems to always lose. I, uh, jeez. No, I can't think of it off the top of my head. I was going to say like Buffalo, like the Buffalo Bills, but at least... You know, Sweden's won a won a championship, unlike the Bills. Which you know, hey, Josh Allen MVP. Hey, you want to bet on him? Ibookie.ag down there in the corner. So, going into tonight's, actually, we'll hold off on Finland. We'll get to that a little bit later. Canada beat the Czechs three nothing. Like I said, Devin Levi looked good in that game. Dylan Cousins, Bowen Byram each scoring goals. Bowen Byram got his first goal of the tournament. Couple of squeakers in you know the Czechs. They like I said, they outplayed Canada. Czech Republic always seems to find a way to cause and turn some heads and make things a little uneasy for the big teams in this tournament. So I wonder to see if that'll change, if that'll continue to help build that program. U.S. beats Slovakia. Cole Caulfield with an absolute ripper of a shot. Slovakia almost made, they made it interesting. They were down 3-0. They came back to tie or tie it. They came back within one. They were close to tying it. A couple of close chances there towards the end. But Spencer Knight had to be sharp. And that, This was a game I really thought Dustin Wolf was going to be the guy that, had, that was going to take over because Spencer and I just never looked confident in goal for the United States. But then all of a sudden he comes in and has to make a few big saves in the game, and you know he played decently against the, against the Czechs, had to, and you know this was a real important game for him. and it's all going to be a telltale sign for him because he's probably going to get the goal call tonight against the Finns. Great matchup in goal in too. you know you, you, you have on one side. A solid goaltender, in Spencer Knight, a goaltender that you've seen now can really, you know, show his stuff. And Kerry Peronian, per- Peronian, Peronian, Peronian. I'm going to go with go Carey Peronian. He, you know, he'll probably get the call again. He, you know, had a couple of squeakers in that game against Sweden, but he was able to make some big stops when he needed to. Because they actually Finland outshot Sweden, 31 to 24. And you know it's gonna be better if Spencer Knight can be sharp in this game as we kind of get to our preview. If Spencer Knight can do what he did against Slovakia, I think he'll be fine. If the U.S. can limit the chances for the fans and stay on the attack, they'll be in a great spot. I don't think that this team is going to—I don't say falter, but I—I'm not quite sure if. And I, I know people said U.S. is one of the gold medal favorites. They usually are. But uh, I'm not sure if they're good enough to win it all. And that is that is the one bummer um, about all this. Sorry, I'm quickly typing up the tweet to let everyone know that. Hey, I'm talking about it right now. So I, I, I want... There to be a better I want the I want the US to compete. Cause cause it'd only be great if they had a Canada U.S. final. If Canada can hold on, of course. 4-0 with 15 minutes left right now in that game. But geesh. If if you have if the guns get going, Trevor Ziegras, who's been absolutely sensational, he's the leading the scorer in this tournament. Cole Caulfield is starting to find his legs. You have Jake Sanderson looking good at the point. I I they're they're so they're looking deeper and deeper by the day. I wasn't certain that they were gonna be good because I didn't know how I mean, I thought, you know, this was the best goaltending tandem, but then after that game against Russia, you almost thought to yourself, wow, we spoke too soon. And, you know, now with one win away from a gold medal, from the gold medal game, can they do it? I I think this team is incredibly talented, but they have shown in the past they inability to step up when it matters most. Finland has, like I said, Anton Liddell. He has got now 10 points in the tournament. Excuse me, I forgot he got a point in that quarterfinal game. Uh, Topi Niemela, who just seemingly came out of nowhere, seven points as a defenseman in this tournament. He has been incredible for Finland. Uh, I think the goaltending battle will go to the Americans, Spencer Knight. I think the forward's going to go. To the Americans, it seems like all things considered, that the U.S. has this one in the bag on paper. But as we've seen, paper doesn't matter in this tournament. It all it matters is sixty minutes. Whoever scores the most goals wins. It doesn't matter who's got the better team, who's got more talent, who has what, who can step up, win or hair. Talk is cheap when it comes to when the puck drops, right? So, I I would you would think that the United States are going to come out with a strong game. You would think that Trevor Zegras is going to put up two more points. you think the guy like you know, Cam York is going to be solid on the back end. Spencer Knight will have to make 25 saves probably in this game. you think he's going to look really good. Bobby Brink, who has only put up six points, but he can show that he can be a real top guy. He needs to be. Arthur Kaliev had a huge goal, power play goal early in that game against Slovakia in the quarterfinals. He's going to be another guy. Hamilton Bulldog, Kellyev, by the way. There is a certain level of expectation, I think, for this team. To win after last year, coming up oh so sure, you know not making it far enough, the year before losing to caco scoring late in that gold medal game in 2019. There is a there is thoughts that this could be the team to win this year, and you know I don't say comparable to the 2017 team, the team that by the way won in a shootout. I'm just gonna. You know, I'm probably drive that point home to the end of my days. They won in a shootout because if you ever win in a shootout, you don't really win. You won a skills competition. You may as well have done a coin toss at that point. Sorry, I had to get a drink of water. I'm starting to starting to go horse there. I I want to say, though, that if Finland jumps out in front, it, it'll be incredibly tough. I'm. This gonna be one of those deals where I think the team that scores first wins, because if the U.S. gets out in front, they're gonna go off and running. If Finland gets out in front, though, you plant the seed of doubt in the Americans. They start to play desperate hockey. They start to chase, and that's when Finland can really tear the really find a way to tear them apart. And you know Finland hasn't had to play behind a whole lot either, though. You know I think they were able to get under Sweden's skin, but I I think Sweden comparing Sweden to the United States, I think the U.S. is better at finishing games than Sweden is. Because Sweden, like I said, they have not shown in their history the ability to finish games when they need to. Whereas Finland has shown this resiliency almost every single time, showing that, hey, we can come back. Oh, quarterfinals against Canada in Vancouver. Less than a minute left in the quarterfinal game. Down one. One to stinking nothing. What happens? They bang in a goal. Overtime, though. Canada's getting chances. Go down and score, though. That team is resilient. That said, the Americans are better at playing with the lead. I think because they'll score and they'll, they'll keep on the attack. You know, yes, Slovakia got into that game on Saturday. I'm not going to say no to that. But I really think that this team will be good enough and they're actually showing the highlight from Devin Levi when he was playing in the World Junior A Challenge last year of when Russia won in double overtime in the gold medal game. And because uh, uh, Mikamarov, who actually played for Team Russia, scored. Make sure I said that right. I said that right correctly, right? I'm going to make sure I said that right because now I don't know if I said it his name right. There's been so many. I tried doing like a mock call of a game earlier this week. I think I was doing U.S. Slovakia actually on Saturday. Oh, excuse me, Mickledun. Mick, Do Mick Comma-Doolin. I'm going to say that, Mick Comma-Doolin. Oh, man, see, that's why it's tough. Like, this is why doing international games, like, if you get to the NHL, or whatever, you probably see them all the time, but doing these random, you know, once-a-year tournaments, Gordon Miller and Ray Farrow have to literally probably read names a 100 times over before they go on the air just so they don't mess it up because I – I tried to do it on a whim. Typically, I can with NHL teams. Oh, look out. Chance for a new... Oh, he got stepped into. Big hit. Big hit thrown. Who is that? That was... Oh, it's Chistakoff. Chistakoff. Just No, Chistakov. Just... Oh, just screw it. <laughs> I'm going to try to say it. It's. It looks like Just Chistakoff. Chistakoff. That's probably how I say it, but I'm pretty sure I said it wrong because that just doesn't sound right. But he threw a big hit on um, On new Alexander Newhook. So, we're kind of wrapping up my thoughts here with the U.S.-Finland game. I, I'm not going to make a pick because I don't want to do that to either team. I don't want to give them bad bad juju. But like I said, I think whoever scores first in this game will win. And to which I say, but people say, but what about Finland? Like I said, Finland going over Sweden, even though they trail 2 nothing. I think the Americans just have too much talent to blow a lead like that right? I They're too good, and I think with a lot on the line in the semifinal, quarterfinal against Slovakia, they were up 3-0, and they were really controlling the play. I don't think they really were scared too much, even though Slovakia started to come back in that game, and even when they did, Americans were able to bunker down when they had to, and I think if they get ahead of Finland by a goal or two, that it'll be incredibly tough the way Spencer Knight looked in that game against Slovakia and the way I think he started to get his confidence back after that Russia game, that there's not really much going for the Finns to come back in a game against the Americans. Now, Finland scores, first, like I said, you're going to have a, an American team with a lot of weapons. They could make a comeback if they were only trailed one or two goals, because they have so much talent offensively, so many big guns on those in that lineup. But if you can get them to chase, Finland has those weapons that can make him pay. And you know, if you have a great game out of your goaltender, I think that could be a huge part as well. If you can have a goaltender steal your game, if, if you know, Perronin steps up and makes some huge saves, then yeah, absolutely. However, if, like I said, it could be, this could be a, easily be a one-goal game or a four-goal game. That's, that's my long story short. It's not going to be Finland getting the four-goal game, though. It's the American with their talent. They have the ability to really bust it open. I I will say this though I think if the Americans do get up I think they'll fall back into a shell just because I I feel like they're going to focus on trying to win instead of lighten it up but I you know there's there's a really good veteran group with that team a couple of guys that played last year Cam York most notably being one of them they'll be a tough team and like I and they I they may be a gold medal winning team this year up until probably that game against Sweden I didn't think they were ready but then they beat Sweden. I'm like, okay, this team's for real. And the way they were able to, even though the Czechs really hung in them with that entire game, where they kind of blew them out in the end, that's where I saw, I'm like, okay, they have the ability to push through a tough game. So there is a lot of talent with this American team, and they can do it. But so can Finland. Finland can steal one from them here, because obviously there is a lot of a lot of you know good talk and a lot of positivity and a lot of people thinking the Americans have the opportunity, but they are, I would say, 60 minutes away from a victory, but they're easily one or two goals from falling down from you know, kind of just falling apart and dissolving. So it'll be an interesting one, 9.30 Eastern time, 7.30 local time out there in Edmonton for that puck drop. Let me get another swig of water here, sorry. Got about 15 minutes left here on this episode of the CUL show. Well, so much stuff going on and they're kind of showing a behind the scenes deal of all the people doing production for these games. And ah oh, so much cool stuff behind I mean it's it's always great to get a look behind the scenes and everything. Of course, that's why it was kinda of cool talking with Steve Babarakis from the ECAC, kinda of getting a behind the scenes, at least hearing about the behind the scenes of how a commissioner or how a league works in college hockey. Because so like I said, we talked with Tom Garrity of the USHL, getting his point of view on how the season started, which the USHL's come back around. The Muskegon Lumberjacks have been playing a couple of games ever since the the last epidemic order was changed. And you know, the USHL's still going on. It's not perfect, but it's it's fighting through, and that's how it's gonna be with the NHL as well, and college hockey for the rest of the year. See if there's any more new no new notes or new news. New news, super new news. Uh oh, here we go. Some news from me that I completely missed. Marco Dano put on waivers by the Winnipeg Jets as camp opens. Marco Dano defenseman who who played a little bit last year, played some quality minutes now that the defense is kind of worn down with the Winnipeg Jets, but unfortunately the Kevin Chevel day off and co. don't think he's quite up to stuff, so We'll have to keep a word on him. See if he gets sent out of Manitoba, and of course, that's big news as well. Maybe we got to get maybe we got to get the HL someone from the HL brass on the show talk about their start to their season because they'll be starting up February the fifth. In a recent statement, which was the proposed date a while back, and twenty eight teams going to participate this year. They have released the alignment. Ooh, this makes it interesting. I didn't quite see this part yet. So four teams have been granted provisional relocations. There is a whole Pacific division instead of a more of a central division, and they have not released the number of games yet. Schedules are still to be determined and playoffs and all that mumbo-jumbo because right now there's five divisions in the in the American Hockey League this year. Atlantic, which will have Bridgeport, the Islanders, Hartford, the Rangers, and Providence, the Bruins. Canadian division will obviously be the Canadian division, Manitoba, Toronto, Laval, and Belleville, the baby sins. The North will have Binghamton, Hershey, Lehigh Valley, Rochester, Syracuse, Utica, excuse me, and Wilkes-Barre, which is pretty much the New York and Pennsylvania teams, right? Yeah, it's actually, that's it, New York and Pennsylvania. The Central will have the Griffins, who is Detroit, Chicago, who is now the Carolina Hurricanes, if you guys remember, because the Charlotte Checkers aren't even going to play this year because they don't have an affiliation with anybody. Cleveland, who is Columbus's. Uh, Wings are Detroit or Grand Rapids. Iowa's the Wild. Rockford's got Chicago. And Texas, the Stars, are all in the Central. The Pacific will be your Bakersfield Condors, who's Edmonton. Colorado, who is the Avalanche. Henderson Silver Knights making their debut. The Vegas Golden Knights Farm Club right down the road. From the Strip, Ontario Reign, who is L.A. San Diego's, who is Anaheim. San Jose, well... Self-explanatory: Stockton and Calgary, Tucson Roadrunners, Tuscan Roadrunners. Who do you want to say it, Tucson? Tucson, T-U-S-C-O-N. Say how you want to say it. Tomato, tomato. That's your Pacific Division. So actually, the Pacific Division, which has six, seven teams, is your biggest. Six in the North, five in the Central, four in the Canadian Division, three in the Atlantic. Now, but why will not you put three or a couple more teams in the in the North? Because you have Providence, which is Massachusetts, Hartford, Connecticut. Bridgeport, Connecticut. You know, that's pretty much your New England they call it the New England division. Why wouldn't you do that? Well, I don't know. Maybe there's you don't have too many teams in there. You probably wanna to try to find a way to do <coughs> excuse me. As good of a alignment as possible for the playoffs. It's not it's not easy. People think that it's just, oh, you can just schedule them all together, do four divisions and call it good. Well, with the Canadian division, that kind of throws a wrinkle in the plans because I'll be honest with you, because we had I'll be honest, we've Alex and I have talked about doing a show live in Canada. It's been something we've always wanted to do, whether it be outside in Toronto or in a building, you know, get permission from somebody, whatnot. We've wanted to do that for a while. We just I mean, this was going to be the year we were going to do it with all the, you know, being able to do camera work or just being live, you know, with how the show's kinda of grown over the last year. Hey, maybe you'll do a show out there. Not in front of people, because there's not... As much as we love all of you watching and listening, there, there's not enough people in one city to really kind of get a you know, a gathering around that's not just family or friends. You know? So, But we would do like a live on-site show. Maybe a few people stop by and say hello if, they're, if we're in a real public place. But we really can't do that right now because that border is locked up. You can't get by. Unless you're like an essential travel, but... Unfortunately, trying to explain to the Canadian government why a hockey podcast would be essential travel is kind of a lost battle already, if you kind of just simply mention, hey, I have a podcast, they're going to tell you to turn your butt around. They won't even let you stop at the duty free store, probably. I assume that, would that be closed? I don't know. Well, I mean, if the border opens back up, you're going to open it up, because people will pay a lot of money to go into that thing. I still do. I mean, I still get my some of my NHL gear. I remember one year, <laughs> this is... Kind of a funny story. One year, I think it was my first year in Lucknow, came back for Christmas and literally got everyone's Christmas gift to my family. Got it from the duty-free store on my way back. Got my dad some Red Wings stuff. I got my mom a mug or something. Got my brother some hockey socks or something like that. Literally everything at the duty-free store. If you don't know what it is, it is this amazing, you know, just, it, it's, a, it's a small shop. I mean, there's so I guess if you ever fly, there's a duty-free store in every almost every airport that I've ever been to. When you fly internationally, it gets you, you know, your your alcohol. Pretty much people just buy big things of alcohol there. That's pretty much what they do. They claim it when they, you know, go to customs and whatnot, pay a little fee. It's cheaper than buying alcohol in their respective countries, especially in Canada, where the tax for alcohol there is ridiculous. But you know what? It helps, you know, fund, you know, the government and the community and what have you. So... I, I just – I've accepted it. So, I – ooh, we got to push it and shoving after the whistle here. Oh, is that Burr? Baradakov? Burr? Baradakov going at it with – I can't catch the number. That's not Newhook, is it? Nope, it's – uh oh, it's Peyton Krebs. Peyton Krebs getting into it. Oh, well, kind of tension's boiling over in Edmonton. 4 nothing lead still for Canada, by the way. Only a few minutes left in that one. So – and all things considered, knock on wood, looks like Peyton Krebs is only going to be the only guy going to the box. So a power play coming up for Russia. So they have a chance to pull something dumb here. Nope, they took it off. Okay, sorry. The The scoreboard show power play for Canada, but then they showed Baradakoff going in there as well. So matching minors will be four on four for the next two minutes in Edmonton. Rogers Place, home of the Edmonton Oilers, currently home of the World Junior Hockey Championships. Uh, this is... Interesting term, I was ready for like some crazy finish because with Canada-Russia, it typically is some really dumb... Even their bronze medal games they had back in, I think, was it 13-14? They were just complete gong shows, like six five five four games. It was just ridiculous games. So yeah, and Canada-Russia is always a fun game anyways. I, I watched back, for some of you real junior world junior historians, I watched the overtime back from the 99 final. It was the year after... Canada had lost to Kazakhstan in the in the in the round robin. They just had a real down year. Right after they they had that five the five Pete, the drive for five, they lose to Kazakhstan in had an awful year. They go into ninety nine with Roberto Luongo. Uh, I think Robin Regeer was on that team. Hey, that was, I think Simon Gagne was on that team as well. They go up against a Russian team that was pretty solid up and down the lineup. Had a, quite a few NHLers on that team. I think Peter Chesley. He was on that team as well. I played for Ottawa for a cup of coffee. I played for Grand Rapids. That's where I really know him. Played for the IHL here in Grand Rapids. And Russia ends up winning the game in overtime on a weird shot that rang off the post. And he uh, Luongo was so good in that tournament as well. And it just it stinks to see how that one ended. And out of all the things you thought Luongo may have won a, a World Junior gold, nope, he won silver. But Roberto there's a if there's ever a guy to have on the show, it'd be Roberto Longo. I mean, unfortunately, it's the story of always a bride's made, never a bride, because he was always good, always... I mean, one of the best goals... I think he's, what is he played the most games ever of a goaltender. He was, even up until the end, he wasn't perfect, but he was solid, he was good, he was talented. Even, you know, the one here where him and James Reimer couldn't make a save, but he was an NHL goaltender till the end. It wasn't like he was garbage at the end. He just said, I'm like, yeah, I'm not as good as I used to be. I'll hang him up. Now, yes, people in Florida are probably like, he was awful! He was the worst! You know, all all ten of those Florida fans, by the way, were probably yelling that. People in Vancouver probably wanted his head on a stick for about a decade now. People probably still do. I guarantee you, if Roberto Longo walked in Vancouver, walked the streets, at least ten people, if he walked two blocks, would yell at him for Game 7 in 2011. That's because, you know, people, I mean, I still, I go to Griffin's games. I still don't forgive Joe Hicketts for clearing the puck over the glass in the 2016 tournament. That's just, I still won't forgive him for it. He's a good defenseman, good, hardworking guy. May not make it in the NHL, but he's fun to watch. Small guy, can shoot the puck, skates, plays physical. He touches that puck, though, and I'm in Van Andel Arena. HICKETS! That's just how it's, it's going to go with him for until the end of time, so... Game's just about over here. A couple minutes left in Canada, Russia 4 nothing lead for the Canadians, thirty-three to twenty-five. Are the shots? Devin Levi playing well, looking solid. They just put up a number that I'm not going to say because of a certain statistic with it. Three oh eight left in that one. Canada hopefully going to hold on to this one. Going to play for the gold medal tomorrow night at nine thirty Eastern time, seven thirty local time. And Russia is going to pull their goaltender. Here we go. Six on five down four. Russia going for broke. All right, let's see. Okay, we're going to take this one as far as we can to the end here. Like I said, if you're watching the replay right now, you're probably just getting mad because you've been talking about preview and stuff for the last half hour. We've already know what happens. Listen, I can't tell you what you can can and can't watch. You could have skipped by now, but if you're here till the end here, we're going to try to keep it as close as we can to the end. Two and a half minutes left. (laughs) Russia pulled their goaltender down four. It's a ball move, Kai. Let's see if it pays off for him. I mean, Russia has possession, but then again, if you have more guys, you think you'd have more possession. Oh, and the puck's cleared anyways. Man, I, you got mean, I'd say I feel for Russia. Uh, I really don't. <laughs> the team is good, and Askarov's supposed to be this. Oh, Devin Levi's going for goal. Oh, but he got it blocked. <laughs> Devin Levi was going to shoot the, he went for a shot. Oh, man. If Devin Levi scored, oh. Probably lost my mind. He he turned. eight. He, he's now he's like, hey, we're up by four. I don't need a shutout. Screw shutouts. I was going to go for a goal. Oh man, that would have been the highlight of the night right there. I mean, despite a great game by Canada in general, they've they've for the majority of this game outplayed, outshot, outchanced Russia in this one. I did my. I you notice how I did a really good job of not really paying attention when I was talking to Steve Babarkis. And there's Dylan Cousins with the empty netter, five nothing for Canada, and that should just about do it, I would think. <laughs> Nine thirty puck drop. They'll play the winner of U.S. Finland tonight, which is starting in, in just over an hour from now. Bronze medal game will be at five thirty Eastern time, three thirty local time out there in Edmonton. Well, what a game! What a what a night! What a I mean, that means if, and let's see if definitely I can hold on to the out And I have jinxed it, already because I said once, because I already said the shutout thing once. Uh, so that'll be it here for the QL show. May as well sign off because, you know, well, I got nothing else to talk about. And this game is just about over. We've been watching here on 12 Ounce Sports. Make sure you next time watch us next Monday, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Zingo TV, wherever you want to watch us. You can also catch the replay of this episode on your favorite podcatcher or on the Kiel Show YouTube channel. Use the hashtag TKS we talk about the show at the Kiel Show. Thank you once again, Steve Babarkis, the Assistant Commissioner of the ECAC for joining us earlier on today's show. It has been fun as always chatting with you guys. We'll talk next week. NHL season preview. It is almost here. We'll have Alex back here for this one, and we will have a blast talking about who we think is going to do well in each respective division. It's going to cause some yelling, more controversy, and probably some more awful takes that will probably be wrong within two weeks of the season starting. I'm Tyler Kuehl. You can follow me at TJKU29, at The Kuehl Show on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Follow us on there. We post stuff daily. It is awesome, good stuff here. Talking Myers coming up next. We will see you all next time here on The Kuehl Show. Goodbye, everybody.